Benders and welcome to I Like to Movie Movie, the podcast about movie movies. My name is Garrett Smith. My name is Dan Scully. And uh, today we are joined by a very special guest that we are very excited to have on the show. We'll get plugs out in a second here, but I just want to bring him into the mix because we've got him from, how do they say it, all the way across the pond. If I put a little spin on it in my voice, does it make me sound any less dumb for saying that phrase? Well, I don't even know what you're referring across to. Across the pond? Across the pond. Oh, I thought you were leading into another phrase. Nope. I, I was thought saying you were going to try phrase. and say Germany in German. Oh, God, no. How, <laughs> Ger- I don't even actually know what that is. German. Is that how it goes? No, I don't know. I just okay, made well, that up. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, we would like to welcome uh, Chris Tauber to the show. Chris uh, directed a short film that Dan and I have spent a lot of time talking about on the show called most Beautiful Railway? Do I have that right? Yep. I always get the title wrong. That's Okay, great. I'm always like, uh, Most Precious of Railroad Ways. Oh, they're all, they they're all correct, Garrett. Believe me. Okay, okay. <laughs> good. Uh, so please, welcome Chris to the show. Uh, we, we, he's, the, he's the kind gentleman that put Dan and I on a DVD for the first time, uh, where we recorded a commentary track for his movie, The Most Beautiful Railway. Welcome, Chris. I'm so glad you guys having me. I feel very honored. Oh, right on. You're such a sweet man. uh, And thank you so much for letting us do the commentary for that movie. It's uh, I've showed I've showed family members your movie and they enjoyed it, but I have not showed them the commentary because (laughs) I'm afraid that they'll hear it and they'll be like, you are such a a fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, the commentary is um, what can I say? It's it's uh, it's kind of like a dream come true to have this like, um, uh, you like. You guys from from another country, from a different cultural background, digging that movie so much and all your ideas and all your opinions on on what I did there. Um, uh, to me, that's like, I don't know, I'm I'm not a very experienced filmmaker, but this is uh, to have this like in an early stage of of uh, of my you know like oeuvre or, or career or whatever that is. Um, that's like wow, jackpot. What's next? I don't mind. That's like. <laughs> Oh. I did it. <laughs> I got two great movie commentators oh, right on. on my DVD. So the praise is all yours. Well, well thanks, we really man. appreciate that, Chris. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. Uh, but truly, the, the praise should go to you. I mean, I, I know you're talking about yourself being like an amateur filmmaker, but that is not an amateur oh. film that you made. It's very good. Dan and I legitimately really like it a lot. Uh, and here's the other thing. Yeah. I find in life when there's something that I've I've never heard of, as soon as I hear of it, it starts popping up everywhere. Yeah. And while I was familiar with the like the genre of slow TV, which your mm-hmm. film was was a riff on, I had never seen slow TV brand slow TV. Right. But slow TV just popped up on Netflix. Did it really? Yes. Mm-hmm. There is a program called Slow TV, and it is things like trains and aquariums and such like that. And so, and it's just wild that it was a concept that I knew, but yep. not in name. And now that I've heard it, it's it's everywhere. I'll tell you what, if that's on Netflix, you can bet, I, I guarantee you, within a year or two, Chris's movie is going to be on Shudder. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. You know what I mean? True. Like, like if, if you can get the right eyes on that thing, Chris, if slow TV is making its way around where it's becoming kind of a thing again, just the way that, what was that movie called? Well, was it Ghost Watch? Yeah, yeah, Ghost You know, watch, the way yeah. that stuff yeah, kind of like watch. resurfaces every couple did of years. You, did you watch that I did yet? watch that, and Yo, I really enjoyed it. Wasn't that the it. fucking it's best? Really, really yeah. cool. The finale is amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, 
but you know, I think like, you know, as that stuff resurfaces every couple of years, because every couple of years there's like some new renewed interest in like some subgenre. Well, it falls back on like Bob Ross. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't been alive for a yeah. very long time, right. but his show has made a comeback. All of a sudden he's because popular again. That idea resurfaced when everyone was like, Oh, remember Bob Ross? You know, it's yeah. nostalgia. But yeah. Slow TV is such an oddball thing. But the fact that it's on Netflix, like, man. You're going places. I know buddy. it makes makes me feel, <laughs> makes me feel like you're headed to Shutter, my friend. It makes me feel that way. I'd I'd love to be on Shutter, re- really. Um, but about the whole genre of, of slow TV, I, I think my opinion is that you know it's it's uh, it's a perfect entertainment for stoners. Yeah. Uh, or when you when you're hungover, when you just don't want to go to sleep. Um, now so I know why you wanted never us gets to old. do the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you knew. So speaking of Shudder, Shudder is what I use to watch the movie that you have brought to our show. Yes. So Chris, you right. have, you have brought Prevenge to the show. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about why you've picked this movie for your episode? <clears throat> I think I, I picked. Prevenge, uh, simply because it's one of my favorite, most favorite movies of the last decade, I think. Um, and when I first saw it, I I didn't have that. I had some expectations to it to be interesting because I really like like British independent um, low budget horror movies, and um, I was familiar with the director and and the main. Uh, how do you say the the main role the the, main oh, the, the lead actress yes the lead actress so here i am german um <laughs> forgive me if i don't get the right word always okay now i'm it's really you're, late here so um <laughs> your english, english is like better than mine yeah <laughs> so I think ah, you're come on come on <laughs> every time i talk Stop to you you, you use the tell- word uber yeah, i've never used that word <laughs> I've never spoken it out loud. Yeah. I, I'm kind of spelling <laughs> it French. in my brain. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I, I don't know any um, French. Uh, me hardly any more than... Oh, fair well, enough. There you go. Oh, la, la. So we go back to uh, to Prevent. Um, yeah, I was, I was familiar with Alice Lowe because of the, the movie she, she wrote with, um, I think it's Chris Oram. Uh, the, the movie Sightseers. I and, love that movie, Chris. In, yeah, you and, and I watched Sightseers together. We, did we not? We might have. We might have. I yeah. love that movie. Yeah, it's it's. What can you say? It's um. It's insane. It's insane. <laughs> it, it's, it's it truly really, is. It's a simple approach. It's a simple movie. There's not a lot of effects. It's um, but it's it it pulls you right in and it spits you out at the end it's a it's a wild ride without being a wild ride yeah yeah um and so i had some expectations for prevenge but i wasn't prepared for this because prevenge is a fucking wild ride um and i love that she did this movie um but i think we're gonna go deeper into that later but yeah um i just thought it was like uh it was so clever the first time i watched it that it was like knowing that it's gonna be a bit funny, but it's, right. I wasn't prepared for it being really scary. I thought it was really scary as well, and so well done. And I'm in total awe of this movie because it's really unique in my in my point of view. It's really unique movie. It is. I I was 
I had different expectations going in because I, I really just kind of figured it would be sightseers, but with somehow even lower budget. Mm. But mm-hmm. um, I think when it comes to horror comedy, uh, it's very rare that you see something that is so equally horror and comedy without the comedy being goofy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like, cause even like, like I love Shaun of the Dead so deeply, but like, that's a, that is more expressly a comedy. It's a little bit goofier. It's a goofball movie. And it's a goofball movie. And it has, you know, it has that stoner aesthetic. It has yeah. like nerdy references and stuff. This sort right. of had its foot in the door of sightseers where you don't really have an opportunity to pass judgment on the character. So her reality is what's, ex- you know, what is accepted. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it, it really was deeply funny without being goofy. And that that's so hard to walk when you're trying to evoke horror as well. To- totally agree. So I, I watched this with um, Tori, my, my partner, we watched it last night together and she, she has not seen sightseers. I like ordered that Blu-ray. Oh, I don't know. A month ago. I'm still waiting oh, for right it on. to uh, Chris. <laughs> I think someone in your country is holding it hostage at a, a, uh, at a, a mailbox. That could be. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, w- when it gets here, eventually we're going to watch it. Cause I just, I love that movie. It's and so I, good. I think Tori would really like it. But so I was like, I was trying to explain it. She was like, what is it? And I was like, so it's, I was like, you know, it's a, it's a British movie. It's a British independent movie. It's kind of a horror movie. It's kind of a comedy. I don't know much about it, but I know the woman that stars in it wrote and directed it. And she wrote this other movie I really like. And she was like, well, what's that movie like that, that you really like? And I was like, I mean, I don't want to spoil it for you, but it's basically like, it's, it's like a, uh, one of those like awkward kind of like indie rom-coms from like the mid two thousands. It's post mumblecore. Right. For sure. Except that they accidentally start killing people and then realize they like being serial killers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I was like, I they can't stop. Yeah. I was like, I, I don't like want to spoil it for you that way, but that is the premise of the movie. And it's like very funny the way these two people believably start at a meat cute and end at like a pile of bodies. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Like. I think that uh, that movie also does walk that line between humor and horror, you know, very tightly. Very well. Um, I think that Prevenge does get a little bit more into the comedy. I, I agree. Than Sightseers, just because of the talking fetus and stuff. There's yes. like a little bit of cartoonishness to it. That, that's what I would call it. I don't know if I, I don't know if I would say it's like expressly more because co- we were trying to differentiate yeah, I wouldn't between say it's like, like goofy, goofy or anything. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. not goofy, but it's very cartoony in a way yeah. that I think Sightseers is not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it, it dwells more on the absurd absurdity of you know, like this um it's kind of to me it wasn't the the humor wasn't that not that much cartoony but um reminded me of like like 70s um i don't know 70s i, don't, I wouldn't say humor but um uh, yeah I'm, could you relate it to could you relate it to a movie from the era that you're referring to oof. yeah like did it remind you of anything from from the 70s because I think I know what you're trying to say, and I'm trying to place it. Because like, I think it's the t- t- tonality, not probably not the humor itself, but you know, like the surrounding, like the landscape, um, uh, where this takes sure, place. Sure. And um, of course, there's some like I wouldn't say Monty Python esque. Um, it kind of does look like a Monty Python yeah, production a little yeah, bit. A little it has bit. that look to its lens. Well. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of lost on that thought here with the humor. Oh, so. fine, <laughs> oh no, certainly, certainly. But I I think you're right. There is a. Uh, it does feel kind of seventies ish. Like in my head, I was it. It sort of has a. This is gonna be such a a weird throw, but uh, you ever seen mm-hmm. Possession? Oh yeah. 
the Possession Argento has, movie? Uh, no, no, not the uh, Argento one. The one with Sam Neill. Oh, no. Uh, it's become that. memed now okay. that there's the gif of the girl smashing milk against the walls in the oh, tunnel. Oh, that's You've from probably that movie. seen that okay. pop up. Yeah. That's a, and it looks goofy out of context. Yeah. In context, it is terrifying. Okay. But um, it sort of has a feel like that. Um, it kind of feels a little bit like a, like a don't look now. It has that sort of a lens to I'm it. I'm thinking of Phenomena, by the way. You're thinking mm. of Phenomena. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I, that's the that's the kind of vibe that I get that she might be tapping into in terms of the visual yeah. aspect of it. It, it. So in that sense, it feels 70s to me. That's Those movies do have a cheeky humor. Yeah. But since they're not necessarily expressly trying to be funny, um, it just feels a little bit more macabre. Uh, but if it leaned into the humor, its tone would be quite similar to something like Prevenger Sightseers. Yeah, I mean, this is the kind of movie that... Um you would be forgiven for not realizing that it is a comedy. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. 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 Like it's the kind of movie where I think if you, if you do not have the right sense of humor yourself, mm. you might miss that there are comedic elements to this. That's the best kind of comedy. That's, I agree. Like I, I like, I, I, you know, uh, you know me, I like a movie that'll wink at me, but mm. I actually really appreciate when a movie is able to like pull off its humor and stuff without mm. having to wink at me. Mm. You know what I mean? Where it doesn't, it doesn't need to like nudge me and be like, hey, hey, you in on the joke? You in on the joke? You're seeing the joke, right? Because yeah, yeah, I yeah. want you to be in on the joke. This movie doesn't care if I'm in on the joke. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. And, and, and I think the movie also leaves it up to the audience with uh, whom you sympathize. Um, yeah. You can, you can feel for, for Ruth, the mother, um, the, um, uh, the role Alice Lowe is playing. Um, and um, you can also feel for her victims, and um, but yeah. maybe oh, we should. Josh, Josh, I know, <laughs> I know. What a great character! <laughs> Josh was so good. Although we're gonna get into DJ Dan at some point. DJ Dan DJ is the Dan. best named character in cinema history. <laughs> Finish your thought, though. I'm yeah, sorry, sorry I you off there. Um, I, I was uh, was just thinking maybe we should like uh, start from the beginning with the movie. What's yeah. it about? Because I don't think we talked about this yet. No, we should lay out the premise for our audience because, you know, I, our audience knows we, we're going to spoil the shit out of this movie. Yeah. Uh, we recommend it's on Shutter right now, so you, it's, oh, it's available. It's 87 minutes. Oh, it's yes. per- <laughs> perfect length. Yeah. You can, you can watch it, uh, you know, instead of taking a nap tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, and really enjoy it. So we recommend you watch it and then come back and listen. But, you know, just in case, we're going to spoil it and stuff. And, and so the premise basically is we are introduced to Ruth. Ruth is, I, I believe in the context of the movie, they say seven or eight months pregnant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and Ruth, I'm pretty, they're pretty sure they introduce all of this pretty much right off the bat. She is hearing her fetus talk to her <laughs> and her fetus is telling her to murder people, but is telling her to murder specific people that were involved in the... I think at first we don't know uh, the death or disappearance of. Well, let's just start. Let's start from there. Yeah. Fetus is talking to her, telling her to kill people. Yes. Because right? yes, that's yes. where this movie begins. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yes. That's yeah. the premise. Her fetus is telling her to kill people. That is where this movie mm-hmm. begins. Uh, and uh, and actually, what's interesting about that is when it started and she was killing people yes. and it first appears random. I was like, why are they? Why do they invoke revenge in the title? Right. What is she, what is she avenging? Yes. And then. Yeah. The, the first scene sees her like she, she's going into a. What do you call it? Zoo shop or animal shop? Where oh, you like, oh, a pet like shop. Pet, pet shop. A pet shop. Yes. Oh, pet shop boys. Right. Yes. Um, yes. Go west. Yes. <laughs> um, and 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 she's looking for um, she's looking for a, a, a pet for her son. <laughs> yes. Right. Um, for eighty year old son, 
And the guy um, running the pet shop or, or attending the pet shop is a really creepy guy. It's like really sleazy, like oh. saying, oh, I have this big snake. Do yeah, we, Chris, I did can, you notice how you. many weird innuendos? Like the first thing he says to her, he says about like maybe some lizards or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he, he's, he tries to say they're a couple, but he goes, they come together. Yeah. Right. And, and then when he introduces her to the snake, he says, this is my big fat snake. There's, uh, what does he say? Uh, Oh, how does he put it? He's like, that's okay if you don't want to touch it. Yeah. But I got this thing in the back that uh, you definitely got to touch that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Every <laughs> single thing he said was like a double entendre. It was fucking crazy. Yeah. And then uh, right, I don't know, in the third or fourth minute of this introduction scene, she pulls out a knife and rams it into his throat. Yeah, she does. I really love the way that the blood pools in this yes. scene too. I think that was very important in setting up what the tone of the movie was going to right. be because if they just cut away and it was like, Oh, she kills people then I, I know it's not so interested in the, in the splatter sensibility, but instead of having splatter to just have blood pooling like that, mm -hmm. it's more realistic. It still scratches my splatter itch, mm -hmm. but it also sets up like, Oh, this movie's going to, it's, it's going to go for it. And also this character is like, is committed to what she's doing. Mm -hmm. Like we're watching her stand in that room with a dead body as blood is pulled. This isn't an accident. Mm. This isn't something she is uh, suddenly, you know, it's not like she suddenly wakes up after doing it and is like, ah, what have yeah, I done? She brought a knife. Yes. Yeah. She brought a knife. She murdered this man. She wanted to murder this man. And, and she's now sort of, you know, then, then we get that interesting scene where she's like burning the clothes that she wore during the murder and stuff where it's like, we're not exactly sure how she feels about this, but I think that's when we're then introduced to the fact that her fetus has told her to do this. Yes, yeah, yeah. Right. And then she, she goes to see a nurse. Right. Wait, by the way, okay, the nurse is played by... Hold on, I need to get this woman's name because I love this woman. Joe Hartley is that actress's name. Um, that, that's what we're talking about, right? Her, The midwife? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she... The only other thing I've seen her in, Dan, do you remember that... Um, Ricky Gervais made a weird David Brent. Oh, and he goes on rock tour. Rock tour. Oh, yeah, yeah, I right. watched that, but it's not good. I don't recommend <laughs> watching it. Joe Hartley co-stars in it and is phenomenal in it. She was great in this. She's I... so funny and charming and sweet. And she played like kind of a different character here. She was in This Is England. That's where I recognize oh, okay. yes. I've not seen that. That's you should, that movie you should Garrett. It's I, I've heard that movie's very good. Yeah, very good. But she's wonderful. I like really like that actress. I don't know, like she should be in a hundred movies. Mm -hmm. There's no reason she's not in the Harry Potter franchise. What the fuck are you doing? Oh yeah, Great <laughs> she'd be awesome in Harry Potter. Yeah. Well, there's Although no the reason that Alice Lowe isn't in the uh, Harry Potter franchise as well. Also true. She is <laughs> yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I would like them both to avoid the Harry Potter franchise well, because true. the last movie was was pretty rough. Listen, <laughs> Dan, pretty... when when we bring things to America, things don't go well. But I mean, they were they were what. Eight for eight at that point. That's I was true. all in, and That's then that true. last one. They're was, set in America now, right? Um, that joke. Yes, yes. tracks. Well, they, they, it's, they're set in America, but it stars all English people. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's so, but I mean, it's it's not great. Okay, fair. Okay, so we introduced to a midwife, and the, that is the moment where we introduced, uh, I think, to the humor tone of the, of yes. the movie, where we get a hint that yeah, it's but, also going to be like funny as hell. Yeah, well, because we're in because Joe Hartley is like she's like a very warm, funny presence. I think which works mm. very well for that character. She seems like a very good midwife, right? Yeah, she like she legitimately cares about this woman and her baby, mm. you know. Um, and it, but is good humored about the fact that 
this woman seems very distressed. Yeah, yeah. And and that's where we get the humor of uh, Alice Lowe's character, where like she is like I don't even know how to describe it, but she's like I think she's aware of how she looks. Yes. And at the same time, is so sold on this reality of her baby instructing her to kill people that. It's just it's oh, how should I put it? There, there's no. It's hard to pass judgment on her. Yeah. And this early in the movie, the the literal first thing we saw her do was murder someone in. I'm not gonna say cold blood because he was a bit of a creep, but <laughs> like room temperature blood. Yeah. And um, and so you that should mean she's a bad guy. Right. Yeah, but also but this... we also get to know that she's on her own. She's a loner. She there's no dad. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think we're introduced to she's like living in hotel rooms, mm-hmm. even yes. though yeah, she's yeah. like eight months pregnant. And so this scene with the doctor really like purchases her likability for me. Yeah. Uh, I I believe that this her distraughtness is earned already, yeah. yes. even though she's killed somebody. That feels impossible, but I think it has a lot to do with Joe Hartley. yeah. Hartley's performance. Right. Yeah. Yeah, she receives her so warmly. And there's a really interesting thing, I think, that Alice Lowe is doing with, with her character, Ruth, that uh, plays into the humor of it, but, but is, is also just kind of fascinating to me, where we know that she's hearing her fetus talk to her at this point, but the way, and, and she actually kind of says out loud that that's what's mm-hmm. happening to Joe Hartley, but she uses the terms that Joe Hartley's character is already using with her, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that Joe Hartley doesn't realize that. Joe Hartley's saying, like, you need to listen to baby. Baby will yeah, tell yeah. you what you need there's no denying that a pregnant woman is in communication with her child absolutely it's like there's no denying and so she's repeating those terms she's going like oh i know what baby needs like baby's telling me what baby needs and so you could see how joe hartley doesn't baby needs (laughs) right you you could understand how joe hartley doesn't know that she means my fetus is literally telling me things but and that's where the humor comes from because uh, to me i thought this was so interesting which is that uh, to me this is how she's playing ruth this is how i think of ruth anyway I don't know that Ruth actually thinks her fetus is talking to her as much as Ruth seems to understand that this is something that happens while pregnant. There is some sort of communication between mother and mm-hmm. fetus. And this is her, just how it personifies her mind. Hers is becoming yeah. personified because of the sort of situation that that she is in outside of being pregnant, right? There's 100%. I totally agree. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Because coming into this movie, having a general idea of, of it being about a fetus talking to her, yeah. in my head, I thought that the magic portion of this was on the fetus. Right, And right. that there was a talking fetus in her that was superhuman and telling her what to do. Right. And almost immediately off the bat, that was subverted. And it's, no, this is representative of a mental state. This is, ex- this is an not ex- supernatural. It's an expression of her trauma. And the thing that is interesting to me is she seems aware of that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not supernatural to her right. the way that I expected it to be supernatural to me. Yeah. Do, uh, Chris, do you agree with that? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? I, total, I totally agree. And I think this is what I meant with, like, that's kind of the 70s vibe. I get. Oh, I still don't have a film that comes to mind that does it like that, but it just seems like something that's so, like, that's not been done these days really that often and feels like a thing of the past because it's so tried and true. I, don't I know. kind of agree. I, Does this I, make yeah, sense? I do. I think I hear what you're saying. Like, if we made the, if, 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 an, if a Hollywood studio made this movie, it would, that would, that would be it would be a high concept movie that would be the high concept that the fetus is in mm-hmm. control of the mother and making her kill people hell baby 
bad right, Milo. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> that would be it. Would be this high con, but this movie is not a high concept movie. It is about a woman with trauma who's dealing with trauma, mm-hmm. and that that it is just expressed in this way of of her fetus talking to her. It's kind of funny thinking about it. Rosemary's Baby sort of has the best of both worlds because that is a movie about a woman undergoing trauma. And but at the same time, like it is ultimately revealed that there is a supernatural baby inside of her. Right. Yes. So it yeah. kind of has the best of both worlds. Yeah. yeah. That's that. That's an interesting comparison, actually, because, yeah, that is what this movie lacks. There really there ultimately is no supernatural element to this movie, despite what may seem like supernatural elements throughout, which is kind of cool. No, but but it's but it's presented as such, and I think that's what that's a strength of the movie. And wait till we get to the end because I have another opinion. Oh, Chris, <laughs> I can't wait to talk to you about okay. the end because the end is very interesting. So yes, let's let's try and get ourselves there. Now, does anyone know if anyone specific voiced the baby? Was that Alice Lowe doing a voice? I was assuming it was. I but assumed I don't know. it was, and right, I'm going to look that up. I think I think I think. Uh, I think it's her doing it. I, I, I don't know if you had time. Uh, Dan, today I sent you a link to the radio play she did, Alice's Wonderland. I did not get to listen to it. And it's insane. She has so many. She's so skilled with voice, with the voices, with um, you know, like putting on different personas as she does in in Prevenge when getting in the masks of oh, you know, like yeah. kind of mask when when killing her. You know, like. Uh, victims um wonderland is 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 crazy good it's it's a, kind of like a um a psychedelic town walk through through this town called wonderland um filled with all bunch of weird characters and and most of them like the female characters are voiced by Alice Lowe and they, she she goes into she, she impersonates like a youtube kid um, in a high pitched voice and oh. Up until you know, like, um, well, well, she she she's super 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 skilled. Um, I'm sorry with my words. I'm I'm oh, searching no, for no. words. No need to apologize. And I think you're right. I, that was a when I first watched this, my tweet I mentioned that she's my new favorite person. Yeah, and it's and it's specifically because of that. She seems like a can do it all and can do it all very well type of person. Totally right. And she's like, uh, Tori and I were talking about this. Tori was like really struck with how like beautiful she is. Oh, she really is beautiful. But with these like very distinctive features, you know, like she, I, I, which I don't even know. That was like Tori. She was like, her features are amazing. Like they just, I've never like seen she's a woman that looks like She's not classically beautiful, this. but she's 100% striking. Yeah, yeah. She's just like a, she, she's like a kind of a remarkable like screen presence. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. She, she totally um, captures the screen and like the audience she's she's there she's she's present she's in every scene like yeah even with, you know like i don't know if that's a saying about a natural actor you know if you just twist your little finger you got the audience um she can do it she's um yeah full blood actor yeah i think the american Actress. expression is uh i would listen to her read a phone book <laughs> and i would yeah, yeah i would yeah. Uh, yeah, she's, I mean, she's wonderful in this. And, uh, and to your point, Chris, I think this actually leads us, helps us into more of the plot of the movie. And also to continue this conversation, she does kind of have to put on various, slightly different personas for each victim that she goes to meet. That's true. And she slides into them very well. She's got totally different costuming for each person she goes to meet. She does her hair differently. She does her makeup differently. She puts on like kind of a different like posture for each person. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's very it and it occurred to me 
once you get to the end of the movie, which I, I guess at this point we should probably reveal at least what the concept of, of the end it would basically. So her husband, boyfriend, lover, the father of her child died in a climbing accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Where do we first get the first hint of that in the plot? I think I've... after DJ Dan. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I remember when DJ Dan, that <laughs> DJ Dan, <laughs> at first I was like, we have the same name. I'm so cool. And then like five minutes into the scene, I was like, I don't want to be any, anything <laughs> like DJ this, Dan. this fucking guy. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> representation matters. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I like when Dan's show up. But uh, yeah, that's a... Uh, Let's. We should talk about DJ Dan because we should. We should wait to the reveal of what happened. Okay. Yes, so but, DJ but, yeah, Dan. But yeah. <laughs> go. Go ahead, Chris. You can take it. DJ Dan is the second victim. Um, yes. And he, he, he. At first, he makes an impression of being like, um, like. Uh, you, you could pity DJ Dan because DJ Dan is pity is uh, pitying. No, he's DJing. Uh, at this bar or pub, um, and he's a '70s DJ on a Halloween night or Halloween party, and yeah. um, we see uh, Ruth uh, dressing up for that party uh, or, or that you know, like bar night. And when she gets there, there's no one there except DJ Dan. So um, in a ridiculous wig, ridiculous <laughs> clothes. Uh, clothing. I actually, I respected DJ Dan for the first like minute or so. Yeah. Because I was like, you know what? This guy, he's, I thought it was genuine at first. I thought he's really just doing what he loves to do. I love this. And then we find out, no, this is some strange ploy that he has built to try and get laid. Yeah. yeah and he's, yep. he's yeah. almost oh, he's all of the music. <laughs> well, it's got yeah. The whole con, I mean, that scene is so funny because like she, she does this great thing in the writing where she does allow Dan to, in his first few seconds, have some notes of respectability mm-hmm. where she offers him a drink and he goes, what? No, I'm not going to drink on a Tuesday. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah. she's like, oh, you don't. And so you're like, oh, yeah. OK, so this guy's yeah, like, he's a professional. He's not. Yeah, exactly. And, he, and that's what he says. He's like, I'm a, I'm a professional. This is what I do on Tuesdays. I'm not going to drink while I do this. And then. Not even at all that slowly, like rather quickly, <laughs> just by basically. Oh, she hands him a shot, so he does it. And also, it, like, pretty immediately implies, like, I will have sex with you, DJ Dan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, and like, as soon as that like offers on the table, like, all the facade comes down. <laughs> and but what what is amazing and why he becomes like such a disgusting it's character such a funny scene. is that as soon as she does make it clear that like, yes, DJ Dan, I'll have sex with you. Rather than him immediately falling into, great, let's get drunk and have sex, he then starts throwing up all these extra weird barriers of like, well, listen, you're a little fat, but I like the fat ones. Like he like- He's nagging her. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like he still feels like he has to play some weird fucking the game, you know, that book, the game. Buying drinks for the two younger girls next to him, stuff like that. Oh, he actually says something. He He he, buys the drinks for them. And she's like, why? And he's like, in case it doesn't work out with you or something like that. It's like he just it's so funny the way like she, you know, she does the thing that you think would bring his if he were the like good natured guy that he seems to be in the first few seconds we meet him. She does the thing that you would think make his guard kind of fall. And he's like, oh, okay, great. Like, let's just whatever. Let's get out of here. Let's go. And instead, it just brings out the monster in him like somehow (laughs) more, you know, it's like, oh, it's so funny. And it's such a great read on like 
uh, just that is just another we talk about this on the show that's another version of toxic masculinity yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah. and it's a great read on it too i think it's, he even gives it the straight up speech of like if you're into this becoming something yeah let me make it clear I'm i am not because <laughs> i've still got to play the field and that's when he becomes a little bit pathetic because you're like this motherfucker playing the field yes. he's a yeah. nerd yeah, yeah. Like, and i mean the... eventually we find out he's still living with his mom yes. like who he tries to say is like just some old lady he shares yeah. the rent with his roommate oh that's yeah. so that's heartbreaking the way he's treating his mom and then um yeah. you know this proceeds they they go off in a cab he pukes in his wig and then he kisses yeah. her he, it's getting oh, worse and worse that. so he's just waiting for her to kill him already really yeah i mean that's that's such a great moment of physical comedy when he pukes in the wig then kisses her and we're just left with her expression of like yeah, what yeah. to do after being kissed by this man what i like about this though is that you know that first guy he was a creep but as she's killing him you know it still feels like oh man she killed somebody yeah um this second guy you're like oh man it's gonna go poorly for him yeah. and then very short very shortly into the scene you're like i cannot wait yes to see yeah. what she does to this yeah. this fucking guy it's crazy <laughs> that by victim two when she has her prevenge we're like prevengeance <laughs> yeah. like, you know we're like cheering it on you know yeah, she. I was. I was very excited to see her kill this guy, especially when he mentioned that he was waiting out his mother's death so that he could take her money. Ah, yes. uh, he's the yeah. worst. Yeah. Is, I, I, I have. To, I have to say, so far, I, I don't think it can get any worse in this movie than DJ Dan. The stakes are high. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Stakes are high. It's hey, I mean that's how right. This is how you play concerts. You open with your strongest yeah. number. You close with your second strongest. That's number. true. But I will say this. Credit to Ruth. Uh, she's very comforting to the mother, yeah. who has uh, has some sort of dementia and yep. doesn't really understand what's going on. I believe she remarks when she sees her son's body that someone's going to need to clean that, yes. which yeah. is very funny. Yeah. But then Alice Lowe puts her to bed, puts her at peace, and starts the laundry. Yeah, yeah. She starts the laundry for her because that was mom's concern. That's yeah. that's. I think mom's going to be okay. such a nice, and I think it's obvious that she's mothering the mother um yes mm -hmm. yeah but i really like this this was so heartfelt and didn't feel corny or, or or funny or um this was the first time in the movie when i when she when yeah when this really struck my heart i was like well this is sincere it's it's awkward and strange but it's sincere yes mm -hmm. that that's exactly the word i was going to use there's a real sincerity to that moment and mm -hmm. it it I think the dark humor of the movie only works as well as it does because the movie is willing to be sincere as opposed to cheeky yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And in hindsight, it is rather interesting because we don't necessarily know the full circumstances of her, uh, hus her, her baby daddy's death. Yes. Um, but it, there's obviously she, she connects a lot of responsibility to a large group of people despite the fact that it seems to have been situational or you could maybe blame one person for making a call mm -hmm. but that sins of the father does not extend to mm -hmm. the mother right, right um it doesn't extend to her because she she has that dementia she she couldn't be further disconnected mm -hmm. from it um Whereas, and we'll get to him, it does extend to Josh because <laughs> yeah. Josh has the wherewithal to say something happened. Yeah, yeah. Whereas mom does not. Right. And that's that's very interesting how far her web of, of culpability. Oh, uh, yeah, goes that is interesting. In yeah. hindsight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. 
All right. Interesting. So um, how, how did we talk about how she kills DJ Dan? Let's give DJ Dan. Uh, no. Oh, right. No, we did not. Let's send him off properly. Yeah. Who wants to say it? Oh, you go for it. Well, she cuts his fucking dick off. She cuts his dick off, and I believe the, the balls as well make an appearance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they floop out a little bit after she slices it. It's it's but this is another instance where uh instead of having super visceral gore where it goes all splattery, yeah. we do get the organs falling out and we do get once again that huge pool of blood. And it, it satisfies that splatter itch without going over the top. And I don't know, is it after that that we get the flashback? This kind of a flashback that's kind of impossible, actually. It's not a flashback, but it's it's for us to see. Um, um, the half of the face of of some man with kind of like the back of the skull missing and yes that was so striking yeah. yes yeah yeah that that actually that gore effect that makeup effect in particular is like exceptional i think yeah because yeah i think that is where we get that it, it just does a quick cutaway to yeah man with his skull burst open laying on the ground with ugh, just grew coming out of his head well we we focus in more and more on um why she's doing this yes this is where it starts to to explain why the title is a riff on revenge yeah although it does so in a very interesting way because the movie almost plays out like a mystery to yeah some extent. yeah there, there were times where i thought so we we, we get this idea that um well the, we do know that he was climbing yes and we now sort of understand upon seeing that that he fell to his death right we we know mm. that somehow the baby daddy died in a climbing accident mm. but what we don't know is was it an accident who perpetrated it was it these people she's killing and why was dad doing life you know death defying right. stunts At, while expecting right during her pregnancy and and what is interesting to me is it the reason I say it plays like a mystery is I waffled throughout the movie many times, even after the movie tried to explain even a little more and a little more and a little more. Did she actually murder him? Did the climbing instructor murder him? Mm -hmm. Did, you know what I mean? Like I it was interesting the way the movie played on my understanding of who Ruth yeah. is, mm -hmm. and then what what I then thought about what might have happened to the father of Ruth's child. Well, we, you know we, what I, mean? I think this is, this is fair because um, we only get a few hints about their relationship and the few hints we get are right. not that you're like what you expect for her doing this, but we might get to that later. What do we want to just spoil it now? We, I think we can yeah. talk about it. I, I would say that early in the film, my assumption was just that he left. Right. Um, that was it. it was just that he left and so i was surmising that perhaps this prevenge is in reference to she's gonna get revenge on him for leaving or on whoever mm -hmm. he left her for right um, that's what i was thinking might be but then as the bodies piled up i'm like i just don't see dj dan and pet shop boy <laughs> being uh tied to <laughs> being tied to uh you know her spouse in any way right and uh so yeah it is interesting how that starts to build out yeah um, do we go to her, uh, does she meet the climbing instructor yet? I won't. No, uh, she meets Ella, Ella Harding oh, oh. is the next, uh, the career yes, woman. Yes, the, the, the woman the that works in that the office building. 
and oh, she has yes, that yes, yes. yeah the first female she, and th- and that so yeah i mean that's like a great scene because that is a scene where we get a little bit of a window into what may have been going on with her i'm going to start referring to him as her husband i don't know that that's the case but it, it just for some reason Spouse, that's partner, easiest for me husband. yeah you know? that's fine um that's where we start to get an indication of actually i don't think he was her husband because she's not entitled to the money that he left behind right and that's part of her issue is that she doesn't have any money that's right that's right so so right i guess we should say partner yeah that works yeah yeah Yeah. let's just say the baby's daddy who knows if (laughs) they ever you got it yeah that that, good point chris yeah so the the i mean we start to get an indication of what may have been going on with the baby's daddy in the scene with this career woman that she goes to me at least that was when i started to felt like I was kind of putting some of the pieces together because mm. this woman starts talking about going on work outings and you're like, right. and you're like, Oh, right. I guess there are team building exercises like fucking mountain climbing and shit yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. that like these dumb corporations do, you know what I mean? Like, mm. uh, and, and so, yeah. And, and then like, you also get the impression from the way Ruth is treating her that like, I, I, I remember in this scene thinking like, Oh, she's like, She's mad at this woman because this woman was like somehow involved with whatever happened to her. What's funny is at first I didn't even put that daddy. together. I was yeah. like, is she just trying to get a job at this point? Right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. That was my yeah. first thought. <laughs> and then when it uh, immediately, you know, enmity formed between them, I was yeah. like, all right, this is uh, yeah. There's more to this. Yeah. Well, but but also I think that's like um, before, you know, like uh, Ruth put on like um, a mask, like in the first, with the pet shop guy, she's a mom. Yeah. Um, in the in the uh, with DJ Dan, she's she's like a, a, a slut, a bar slut. Can I say that? Yeah, yeah. Um, she read as like middle aged divorcee having mom's night out. Yeah, Woo! yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, that's that's a better that's a better description. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm glad you think so. I'm glad you think so. <laughs> um, Chris, you don't know English it, that well. Bar slut, divorcee. <laughs> these all mean the same thing. <laughs> so this is the first time she she encounters uh, um, a female. Uh, counterpart and right. I had the, like the she lets down her guard I think in that in that um, meeting her in that confrontation because she's a she's really condescending to that um, to to Ella to the yeah. woman yeah. she's about to kill uh, throughout the meeting and even after that so um, I think this is like the first time we get closer to Ruth under underneath the mask I think she's putting on a mask of this woman who's trying who's applying for a job really late hours like like way past um um uh, how do you say um, oh oh uh, uh yeah like her her way past her what would you, now i can't think of the word way past business hours <laughs> yeah, way business, past, right, yeah business yeah, hours yeah. right um which is weird in itself but mm-hmm. um and you we she goes on she she goes over to her she declines the job she doesn't get the job and they start in like this um awkward small talk um and then she just goes over and, and she kills her and and when she kills her um i don't know if she i can't remember if she does this before killing her or after but she gives her a kiss and then i remember that she did the so, same thing to the pet shop guy and i can't remember if she and gave DJ Dan. She does do it to DJ yeah. Dan. Yep. She kisses yeah. each of them on the forehead after she yeah. kills them. Uh, which is a very interesting detail that I'm not exactly sure what Wait, to was it of. before or after? I because believe... I think she actually kissed Ella on the mouth right. and then killed she her. Her oh, the mouth. That's how I remember right. it in my head. 
I think she kisses her on the mouth and then kills her. I think you are correct. But also after, <clears throat> like, if you remember the content of the, the speech that she gives to Ella, she appeals to this idea of you actually sold out to you sold your life away to your right. job. You're, yeah. you're interesting. You don't do yeah. anything real with your life. You're selfish. You are just a cog in this machine. You exist to make money. That's very disinteresting to me. Yeah. And it's very funny. Uh, that made me laugh because, you know, it, it, it pains me to say, but, you know, I, I know a lot of people, not a lot of people, but I've met a handful of people who, like, their child is a vessel through which they find meaning. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a good thing in one way, but it can also be read as, as a shallow thing, depending on the intentions. But it was just very funny to see that layered of she has this very big importance associated to she's about to be a mom. This is a real thing. And she guilts the uh, the career woman is like, you're not real. You don't yeah. you don't actually have anything interesting about you. And uh I don't even know what I'm trying to say there, but there's certainly a push pull with that concept. Yeah, there's this idea of like Yeah. Yeah, I mean there's defining yourself through motherhood, defining mm. yourself through career. Mm. And I you know, I I think one of the things that is happening in this movie is maybe as a result of her trauma, maybe not, maybe just because she is becoming a mother and and you know my understanding of that is that can be a very stressful, traumatic thing in and of itself. Well, and it's a very difficult time to find employment. Oh, sure. Um, and yeah. it's it's just it's unfair. It's just that's one area where it's very unfair. And in a situation that she's in, if this wasn't a horror movie, if it was just a movie about a woman trying to find a job because she suddenly has no income, it's difficult. She would certainly have anger towards a career woman. Yeah. That absolutely, yeah. but but I, what I was going to say is I just think to like your your point before that like I think one of the things that Ruth is struggling with is she 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 doesn't know how to define herself and she's about to become a mother and she probably doesn't want to define herself mm -hmm. as just a mother. Do you exactly. know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's like a fear that, of hers. That's pretty much where I'm going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I couldn't put it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I think that's what's happening. Is she's like butting up against this idea of like wait so once i become a mother then what is that what i am i'm just a mother mm. like what does that mean why i don't want to define and she myself kind of that layers way. that into her accusation yes. of just like well what have you ever done career lady <laughs> yeah. i actually oh i can't i can't get a job because i'm pregnant well i don't want your job yeah yeah you know yes. it has that yeah. attitude yeah. about it it's so it, 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 but it, i think you're right chris in that this is the one point where we're starting to see like yeah. a shade of her true color yeah. mm -hmm. um it's this is her character that she's presenting as someone trying to find a job dissolves quicker than her character as the uh we'll say slut or as well, the um uh pet pet shop girl well because one of the things that's interesting about when she's playing the bar slut divorcee uh is <laughs> she uh you, you just named my punk band. <laughs> yeah, yeah bar slut divorcee that's real good uh she you know we we do there is a scene where she's in the hotel room and we hear the fetus say something to her along the lines of like you know, men are pigs and they just leave us. And like, you know, we need to show them what for because of yeah. that. And, and because we don't know a lot about what happened to the baby's daddy at that point. That's what we assume what you were saying before. It's like, at first I kind of assume like, Oh, I guess maybe this guy just like left her, yeah. uh, you know, maybe she just needs a job. And it's because we hear the fetus say somebody to the effect of like, men are pigs. They mm -hmm. suck, murder them. But th then when we get to this scene, we see her actually kind of come through in some mm. of her anger towards this career woman. And we start to realize that like, this is when I started to realize and get the idea that like this, this fetus talking isn't supernatural. Mm. She's personifying that to excuse some of her behavior and explain away some of what's happening here. Some mm. of her, her trauma around what's happened here, because like she, you know, 
we know eventually by the end of the movie, it's like, this isn't a dude that just left her. This isn't about men being pigs. Mm. You know what I mean? And honestly, though, and I thought it was going to be about that because at the beginning of this scene, I did not at all expect it to be a murder scene. Right. I thought it was going to be a can't get a job. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, too, the way this movie can play against you like that, where it's like Mm. we've already seen her murder multiple people, but we still because we like her enough because we're like kind of we've gotten into her enough. It makes sense that she would be murdering dudes. Yes. It makes sense. Yep. Yeah. And and so it. Go ahead, Chris. No, no, no. I, I was, I was trying to, to. Um, you haven't thought, Garrett. Finish it, please. Oh no, it's okay. I just, I, I'm really, I'm, I'm going to do that thing that I do where I basically repeat myself. But <laughs> I, 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 I do, I do, drive it home. Drive it home. I do think that's what's really interesting is that, like, in this scene, as the cracks start to show, we realize that the conversations she's having with her fetus are are a personification of her own sort of guilt about what she's yeah, doing it's her insecurity yeah because yeah. because they're not oh, the things the fetus says are not always actually related to me it doesn't seem to me to like the actual things that have traumatized her and are causing mm-hmm. her to do these things mm-hmm. sometimes they sound like excuses to me that that ruth is making but giving to her unborn child so that she can sort of absolve herself of being yeah, yeah, responsible yeah. for them. Does she that make sense? She doesn't want to murder these right, people. Right, no, right. no, no. It's her fetus. Yes, yes. And then this is where we start to realize no, she really does yeah. want to on some level. Yes, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it threw me for a loop when she killed the the interviewer. I agree. Because it's I also... really thought that it was... Um, and, and what's funny is after the fact, I was reading up on the movie and found out that she wrote this movie in a frustrated state because she was actually pregnant and no one would hire her for acting roles as a result. Right. So she pulled a, well, fuck it. I'll make my own movie about me being pregnant. How's that? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so this, this scene sort of taps into that anger. Oh, that's interesting. And, uh, yeah. You know, like, it, yep. it, it, so there is a little bit of reality coming through. I'm sure writing this was cathartic to the idea of like, you don't want to hire me. You're dead. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I did not expect her to kill Ella. I, I really expected this to be like an exacerbating circumstance. Yeah. And so when she did kill her, that is when it opens up the idea that there's more here than just some, there's a more specific vengeance yes. than just vengeance against the concept of masculinity. Right. Or right. The concept right. of injustice. Yeah. You know, just there's something more she's, specific. She's targeting pointed. people. Yes. To, to yeah, some yeah. Extent. These people are specific. It's also, it's my favorite kill in the movie when she slams her face into the table and then slits her throat upon her head, like bouncing off the table. That's head bounces always rule. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of a Jason Voorhees head shatter. Oh, yes. But me I too. I think that bounce bounce beats shatter every time. Bounce does beat shatter. Because you expect a shatter. Yeah. You see a million bounces, you still expect a shatter. <laughs> and then when it bounces, you go, oh, there's there's a cherry on top of this Sunday. <laughs> yeah. And it comes in the form of a knife. Or sometimes, if a bold filmmaker, a second bounce. Oh, oh yeah. Fuck. If you're, uh, yeah. Uh, is it Gareth? Oh, if you're Gareth Evans, uh, Evans yes. Evans. Then, then you use heads like basketballs against <laughs> yes. concrete. Oh, yeah. <coughs> and I want the raid three, and I want it now. Yes. Uh, sorry, Chris. We've we've now fully derailed. No, You've no, it's, it's fine. It's, we do. Uh, I enjoy. <laughs> I enjoy it. Um, I was just thinking about when Dan said, "Not expecting you didn't expect her to kill Ella." Yeah. And I was, I think. Uh, I was wondering why that is, and then um, I think it's time to to praise the perfect editing of this movie, and um, uh, not only in the you know, like how the movie is edited, but also how the story is edited, because we only mm-hmm. get to see her her book. We get a glimpse of the book, 
uh, where she writes down DJ Dan uh, like early in the movie, but it takes to the end where she's going through the oh, book yes. of uh, um, of her killers practically. Uh, it's, it's like a it's like a, a scrapbook. Um, I forgot about that. They do introduce that scrapbook early, pretty early, but it seems to exist as just like a her journaling as opposed right. to a quote unquote kill list. Yeah. You know, even after the first couple kills, I was like, oh, this is her just kind of journaling who she has killed. And I guess we find out later that she was she already had journaled who she planned to kill. Well, you see, she's a more subtle filmmaker than Quentin Tarantino. So as opposed yeah, to kill, like list, kill list, underline <laughs> one, two, three, four. Yeah. So that's that's also something that I think deserves praise um, that this movie is like really it it takes you on this journey and it really knows how to you know, like reveal the the story and the plot and and um this is it's a pleasure to watch it to watch it over and over again because yeah. it's really well like um uh, knitted sort of, i yeah. don't know i well, think that's where a lot of movies that are plot heavy tend to lose me is that they screw up their method of information release mm-hmm. and either it's too much up front and then the movie feels like it's so aggressively expository that you're just being told what happens or it's so cryptic that you just can't really keep up. It's, it's essential for a movie to really let you know what you need to know only in the moment you need to know it never earlier, never later. Like I think a a great example of a movie like that is Chinatown. Mm -hmm. Chinatown is a movie that will never this is the second Polanski movie that I'm referencing Please. which is wild but uh, uh yeah Chinatown's a movie that it is important that you never ever know even a tiny bit more information than the than the uh our surrogate uh, Jack I Jack, think yeah. right it's uh, no Jake, Jake sorry Jake, Jake it is yeah, yeah. um to Jake it's it's very very important that we only know what he knows and um so it has to be released in in real time with the story the thing that makes Prevenge even an even more impressive feat of this is the fact that Ruth is very early on in the movie expressly an unreliable narrator. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because she is in literal conversation with her fetus, we can't necessarily trust what we see on the screen if we see it as through her eyes. Yeah. Yet, at the same time, it's released so evenly that my my. I never have a chance to doubt whether it's real or not. I have to accept her reality. Mm -hmm. That's such a tightrope to walk. And I think for what could have been a relatively simple plot, if they just said, oh, he fell off a cliff, she's mad. (laughs) Uh, To release it it like this really makes it so that every moment is important. Like, I couldn't leave to pee at any point Mm -hmm. because I might miss something. But that's a compliment because I don't... No movie should have a point where you should should be able to pee. that's, That's a waste of time. Yeah. Well, that and, and I, I think this actually very nicely like puts us to kind of the next part of the movie, which is I think this is when she goes to meet the climbing instructor. Right. I think is kind of the next thing that she does. And, oh, I wanted to mention yeah. something. Um, the movie that she keeps watching, you oh, know, yeah, the black and that? white movie, it's called Crimes Without Passion. Whoa, okay. Which is interesting yeah. because the way that she kills in this presents itself as dispassionate for yes. a while. Yes. But it turns out that all of these crimes yes. are of like a deep passion. Yes. And, oh, that's um, very interesting. And, and so I don't know what the movie is trying to say. I just think that's an interesting, interesting thing that crimes without passion, she is doing that, but 
as a means to the end of a very passionately inspired crime. Yeah, yeah. Well, the footage of the the, the film she's watching that's repeated, um, like like uh, there's also a great scene where she watches the movie like you know, like under blankets on a couch eating chips, mm. watching it on a laptop. I think there's like like the who can't identify with that scene. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. Yes. Um, but it's like you have no idea what this movie is about. But it's like this female character with a heavy mascara, and it's like like kind of a harpy or fury. Um, I don't know. Is that a? I believe in the context of the film, those characters were referred to specifically as the Furies. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Yeah. And this is like, and she watches it like like, you know, not really like ah, oh, this is something. This is something that inspires me. She's she's saying something like, "I can I can do mascara. I can do that." And <laughs> <laughs> this is I think this is also like um, it's funny. It's it's um, it, it explains like uh, the masquerade she puts on in the end. Um, it's also I don't know what to make of it really because it's like. Maybe all the crimes she's committing is a crime without passion because she doesn't really seem passionate about it. She's she's totally uh, determined about it to do to pull this through, but she's she seems more tired. She's pregnant. Everything's heavy. Um, the love is gone. That's why she's she's doing it. There's actually no passion in her. Yeah, you know what? You're right. She seems to kill out of a sense of duty. Yeah. And it's it's duty that she represents as subservience to her fetus. And granted, it probably was born in in the passion that she felt when her significant other, uh, when, oh sorry, her baby daddy uh, uh-huh. passed on. Um, but uh, yeah, now it seems almost clinical. Yeah, well, so I want to hit you with two things. One is just that we haven't talked about the ending yet, and I, I want to, but I feel like we're going in order, so we should yeah. keep doing that. But at the risk of that. I do think the ending maybe does actually tell us that these are crimes of passion. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, I, I, oh, you know what? I think you. I think you might I, be honest. I, I want to yeah. talk about that when we get to the ending, but I think the ending might actually indicate that these are in fact okay. crimes of passion or crimes or crimes of just triggered madness. Yes. Yes. But I guess that could also be defined guy, as, as I don't passion. think they're as dispassionate as they do seem. I agree with both of you. In that the moment, they're in the moment they seem very dispassionate, and I think that. She, I think she feels guilty for wanting to commit mm-hmm. these crimes, mm-hmm. and so she's assigning that guilt to her unborn fetus, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 it's a way to sort of that that's her way of deflecting all of this. That's her way of absolving herself of any uh, uh, responsibility for mm-hmm. for what's happening right now. But I think what the end reveals is that she absolutely wants to do all of this, and yeah. this is a, a this is a passionate crime. I think that. The, the murder of Ella yes. is actually the first one where she does show I agree. some emotion. That's in kind the, of what I was murder, trying to talk about before. Right. Yes. Lips. She doesn't just stick a knife in her. She has yeah. to slam her head yeah. first. She has to berate her yes. first. Yes. She didn't really have to berate DJ Dan. She right. just cut his dick off. <laughs> there, we can feel that there is actual... Well, <laughs> I just realized that Garrett's roommate is in the room next to us. <laughs> and the movie that we're describing that he's hearing is sound prob- insane. probably sounds so insane. Yeah. It must sound insane. <laughs> but but I, I agree with you, though. I think the movie wants is doing this on purpose. It wants the first two guys to seem creepy enough that we think the title, Prevenge, means vengeance yeah, of some it's kind. conceptual it's, it's revenge. Vengeance yeah. of some kind against these men. 
And then when we get to the third kill of the the woman, it's very clear that like this yeah. is vengeance for something. The, mm. You know what I mean? Like this is vengeance it's for specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Because uh, because there's there is some passion in that kill, I think. But I don't disagree with the guy. I do think that there she herself acts very dispassionately throughout all of this. Mm. But I think that that is I well, think that it hers is her literally performing like mm. almost for herself. Well, as I said, as I said, I, I can really don't really know what to make of the you know like the the movie scene yes. that she's watching yes. and how it inspires her. But I, this is something that I really like about this movie that it's like. Um, it gives you an idea yes and Gary you have this idea I have that idea and this is what a good movie or good story uh, does it it leaves you with your own ideas and Chris that's this is my favorite kind of movie to write about and talk about I I bring this up all the time one of my favorite Leonard Malton quotes is the only thing better than watching movies is talking about movies I, I to me the best movies are the ones that spark good conversation Mm. and usually that's because they are I'm going to say this, even though I know this isn't always the case. It's because they're somewhat enigmatic. Yeah. They, they give us mm-hmm. enough information that we can have the conversation, but they don't give us so much that we can have the conversation and go, you're wrong. I'm right. We're done with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if, if a movie tries too hard, yeah. If a movie tries too hard to be, um, to be understood, right. Yeah. Always. Um, this is thing. Alice Lowe said in, a, um, in an interview um, about one of the, I think it was one of the producers reviewing uh, the first cut and or, or the first daily said, like, yeah, you have to do something about your character. So far, no one would really like her. And she, she starts laughing and said, why, why would I give a fuck if someone likes Ruth? <laughs> That's not what this movie is about. It's not about that you should like her. And um, I think this is, this is a tremendous statement from a filmmaker um, to you know, like not. Of course, she cares about. I think she totally cares about the story, but she doesn't care about how we um, perceive Ruth or anyone in the story. She she just tells it how she wants to tell it, and leaves this up to us. As I said in the beginning, um, DJ Dan, um, I kind of liked him in the beginning. So did you. <laughs> so. Um, we got to know him better, so we knew we were we were wrong. But um, if we didn't know him that good, we could still like him, and he would could still be alive. I, I don't know if this makes any sense, but um, she leaves us. Uh, she leaves so many things up to the viewer, to the to the audience, and that's that's what I really like about this movie. Yeah, if I was going to that bar every every week and DJ Dan was just the DJ there, I'd be like, I like this guy, he's funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's like yeah. as deep as it would go. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you're right. It's so, so often we confuse the idea of a well-rounded character, a thorough character with the idea of a virtuous character. And whereas it's always nice to see a virtuous character, um, it's much more important that the character be understandable interesting and fully realized and i think ruth is a good version of that because even at the end like against all odds like i'd like her right i do like her even though like she should absolutely be in jail for the rest of her Uh life um but i do like her i I feel for her i feel for her and it doesn't matter if i if i like if i like like her now it doesn't matter if i if if i think of her as good or not i I think that yeah that's that's very unimportant 
yeah. the same theme that that carries sightseers i think yeah um, well that's also that's a weird moralizing thing right it's mm-hmm. like that's, well, that's this is too if what if what we all agree about the baby is true is that she's moralizing her actions through the, the voice of the baby you know? absolutely sorry i meant in a larger like societal context it's like to her point about like who the fuck oh, cares yeah, yeah. if anybody likes ruth it's like that's a weird moralizing thing anyway where it's like that's not why i'm watching movies yeah. i'm not sitting down to watch movies to make sure that i'm watching a purely good human hero like do a heroic thing and then yeah, i that's can like go haze code bullshit yeah it's yeah like, it's gotta be good yeah yeah, yeah. you know what i mean like it, it, i i i, I agree with chris like i I appreciate that this movie is is a a piece of art that's expressing something mm-hmm. uh and, and in order to express that we don't it doesn't matter if we like the characters or you know like those mm-hmm. are and I think the credit to her both as a writer and an actor is that and I, I'm a terrible actor, but I heard an actor <laughs> once say that uh, the the last thing you ever want to do is judge your character. Mm-hmm. Don't ever judge your character because then you're dead in the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea mm-hmm. being that if you reserved, you know, you can make that character real if you're not judging their actions as you perform them. And Ruth is a very good example of this from top to bottom, from the writing to the performance and all that. And that comes through to us. Um, she's not judging her character. Mm-hmm. Um, if the, actually, if the baby wasn't talking to her, then it would be difficult. It would be, you know, then you'd start to judge her character, I think, a little bit. And I like that device being there. Like, yeah, there is no judgment on her. And that's what makes her entertaining, not her being good. Yeah. In fact, she was good. She'd be fucking boring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to watch that movie. I agree. She just has a baby and then she's happy with her baby and then yeah. they roll credits. What? Yeah. No. <laughs> I don't want to watch that movie. So I think this is where she goes to meet the. The climbing instrument. Right. Yes. And, yeah, yeah. And, and and I believe this is where we really get the first indication of like what might have actually happened to her baby daddy. Because mm-hmm. she starts saying things like, so you wouldn't put seven people on that rope. Right. Because that would be unsafe. She, in a very accusatory yeah, yeah, yeah. way that we've seen her sort of talk to the woman at that office. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? She's, mm-hmm. she's right. She's losing her cool. It's like, like the next step yeah. after Ella where she's like more um, like... Um, She's becoming more herself. It's like she's revealing herself in front of Thomas. That's the name of the climbing instructor she sees at this okay. um, sports hall where you're this climbing hall. Um, Does she run into him before that? Later. That happens later. That's later? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's like, that's the reason, one of the reasons uh, that's how I saw it, why she doesn't kill him um, in the end of this. Um, uh, confrontation it's like she's she's losing her, her uh, masquerade she's losing her mask she's, yeah. she's not the slasher anymore um well right she's she's oh, yeah he does seem to recognize her right and uh, that so this is also the scene where we kind of start to put together like why she might be putting on these masks for everybody mm-hmm. because to me i i don't know if you guys will agree with this because i don't think the movie gets totally specific about this but it seems like she maybe was there for the event and so, like these people have actually met her before, and they just don't remember meeting her. Oh, there's one. Does this sound there's right? There's one person Maybe. Who, who must have met her, but it's not clear when or why. It just is clear that he recognizes her. But um, well, I think later he says something to the effect of, "I I recognize you because I saw you at the service." Right. He says something like that. So I think that maybe there was some sort of memorial uh, that okay. she was able to pick them out. That speaks at. more about. Um, that also speaks more about Thomas 
and all the other people she killed before because they weren't at the service mm -hmm. then. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That oh, makes yeah, sense. Yeah. That makes sense. That's true. Yeah. And, and uh, that also makes it more interesting when we see that image of her baby daddy with his head broken open. Yeah. She didn't see that, but right. she imagines it being that horrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she has elevated that in her mind that that's what she... Yeah. imagines him yeah. so, so yeah, I think what what we get from the scene is also with a flashback of the cutting of the uh, of the rope yes is that yes mm -hmm. that's Thomas is responsible for the death like probably everyone yes. is responsible she all makes them uh, puts them in res responsibility she certainly holds them all yeah, accountable holds them all accountable right yeah that's the yeah yeah but there was a choice made yes um, I think that's what this mostly revealed to me is that an accident didn't necessarily purely occur. Right. Mm -hmm. a, a misfortune occurred, and then a choice had to be made. Yes. So, like, right. that's what that in, this scene indicates to me is that, that he is choice. more responsible than everyone else. He's like mm -hmm. the kingpin in yeah. her mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's the the boss bad guy. Yeah, bad guy. And I, but so what I thought was so interesting about this scene was at this point I hadn't quite put all of the pe you know you're really just starting to put some of these mm -hmm. pieces together in this scene. I'm gonna listen through the wall while I pee, <laughs> please. <laughs> Uh, so I, like, I was starting to put the pieces together in the scene. So when they did the cut to the rope being cut, when we saw that shot of the rope being cut, mm -hmm. I didn't immediately connect that with the instructor. I actually was like, oh, wait, does this mean Ruth cut the rope? Like, I, because mm -hmm. as far as I know, I'm seeing things that Ruth remembers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I, which like a... ultimately is not the case, right. I yeah. think, but. But in the experience of watching it the first time where, where you're not aware of that, like I'm, I'm kind of assuming that I'm seeing those things through Ruth's eyes. And so when I see that shot of the, the rope being cut, I was like, oh, wait, so is Ruth the perpetrator here? And like this is some this is some enactment of whatever guilt she feels over what she did. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I love that about this movie, that it is just enigmatic enough as you're watching it that you could equally at this moment in the movie be like maybe ruth did it yeah. as you could accurately put the pieces together that like oh no this is the instructor had to make a choice and and had to cut the rope and let this guy off yeah right you're you're, you're spot on I, I agree with you it's like like this this uh the editing of this movie is fantastic and and yeah i agree especially when when i say the editing i repeat myself i mean as well the editing of the images but the editing of the story is it's great. It's just, um, yeah. The reveal of information is is like perfectly paced and, and chosen, I think, for sure. I think the way that they edit in the flashbacks and stuff, uh, not only does that work on a larger scale basis where it's unleashing just that story and it's releasing that information and just enough you know, information at a time, I think on a scene-by-scene -scene basis, the rhythm with which we get flashbacks and certain imagery plays really well that's tough to do without like to do it mid-scene without slowing that scene to a to a stop mm -hmm. uh, that feels impossible to me and she does it with increasing uh regularity throughout the the story and it always works and she does a good job of creating what ultimately our chapter breaks mm -hmm. with yeah. them but we don't know that you know what i mean it's like they're just like very well timed and placed edits that basically break this up into chapters but we don't need title cards that tell us that it just you know mm. it sort of uses that as a device to do it mm. which which is pretty smart i think and uh, i was when i was in the bathroom uh, what you were saying about yeah. the scene like at that point i agree i i didn't 
know quite yet if he was the one that cut the rope. Right. Just that a decision was made yes. by somebody and yep. she holds it responsible. But I also get the sense too that maybe she's investigating that idea. Right. Trying to figure out just who it was that made the cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Who actually physically yeah, who cut actually the rope? did it? Because she's a little exhausted yeah. at that point. And uh, you know, this is also she goes to meet this guy. It's like you're not gonna kill him at the gym. Right. You know, you're gonna have to Yeah. And so this is the first one that she kind of has the opportunity to get more information about with time. Can anyone, I know IMDB could do this for me. Can anyone confirm for me if the, the climbing instructor is the star of the current FX series, what we do in the shadows? Uh, hey. I think he's the main character in it. He look. he's like, he was like strikingly familiar when I saw him in this movie. And I think that might be what I know him that from. That is him. It's him, right? That is him. Yeah. He, he, Chris, do you know that movie? What we do in the shadows, the Taika Waititi movie. movie. Yeah. I know the movie. I haven't seen the series yet. So yeah, there's, there's like an American series on FX, uh, based on that. And that guy stars in it. Have you of, seen it? One is of, it good? I've seen the first two episodes and they're phenomenal. They're awesome, so awesome. funny. Because I was worried because I really hold that movie in such high regard that I thought it might be like, a, I, I had faith in it because I like the talent. Yes. But I, I thought it might be a pale imitator. Taika directs the first one. Right on. Jermaine directs the second one. Right on. It it honestly, it looks better than the movie. They like, they bring some, what I, I guess I would call like some color elements to it that yeah, aren't in the movie. Brighter, yeah. That look great. They like, the movie has to look like Victoria. Yeah, so, yeah. It, but Matt Berry is just like dude, one of the funniest motherfuckers on the planet. I'm not kidding. It's so fun. Just to, to let you guys in on like, it, this is how funny the show is. They add the idea, so you know it's 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 about different vampires that yeah, are in yeah, the movie. Yeah. But they add the so there are different kinds of vampires in it that are in the movie, and one of them is an energy vampire <laughs> who is not, in fact, a supernatural character at all. He's just a guy that you just never really want to spend a lot of time with That's because he just sucks the energy out of every conversation in room. He's it's, their stew, but he's the opposite because everyone so loves stew. It's so funny. It's so funny. I might put this on tonight. It's really, really good. I Wait, liked no, it a lot. I'm watching Shaft in Africa tonight. You gotta watch <laughs> gotta Shaft do that. in Africa. I'm working my way through yeah. them all. But I, I recommend the series. It's very good. Well, I've seen the original Shaft. I saw the first Sam Jackson Shaft. And on Monday, I'm being tasked with reviewing the new Shaft. And That's so new Shaft? I, I was like, you know what? Oh, there's a new one. And it has... All three shafts. It's got all it the has shafts. Richard Roundtree and <laughs> Sam Jackson, and then Jesse T. Usher, I believe I is his, his name, name. plays uh, the. What? So it's three generations of, of John Shafts. Son of Shaft. And, uh, yeah, son, son of son of Shaft, <laughs> grandson of Shaft. Well, actually, no, it's it's a uh, son of nephew of Shaft. Yeah, is yeah, how it yeah. is in canon. It's, it's like I don't know, second cousin once removed. Of yeah, Shaft. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I watched Shaft the other night. I've seen that movie a couple times, and it, it held up. But I watched Shaft's Big Score, the sequel, last night. And that movie, same director, oh, same as Shaft excellent. and Supercops. Supercops, yes. Um, that movie fucking owns. Yeah, <laughs> it's really? like, oh man, Shaft is just, he's so cool. <laughs> and then he shoots a helicopter out of the sky. It's just the best. Oh, uh, don't even get me started. I'm already started. Here we are. <laughs> prevenge, prevenge. Prevenge, prevenge, prevenge. Uh, I'll take a page from Shaft and I will uh, shut my mouth. <laughs> Uh, so, Chris, I believe if if I'm tracking the movie properly, following this is when, is when Shaft is going <laughs> after the helicopter. Well, technically, the helicopter is coming after him, but I mean, they're not going to get him. He's too cool for bullets. I gotta see this helicopter. Scene. He's in a speedboat. Go, I, and I love a good speedboat in a movie. Yeah, the Hitman's Bodyguard tried to do it; didn't quite work for me. The last good one was Face, Face Off. Off. Yeah, Face Off's like the only one I can think of. But Shaft, like that's the oh, the speedboat is where it's at. And I think Richard Roundtree's driving it. It's awesome. 
That sounds awesome. All right, I'll stop. It's fine. <laughs> Gotta rewatch <laughs> all the chef movies. Oh, uh, get get on my level, man! It is gonna be, dude. You gotta so get on Dan Shaft. <laughs> can you dig it? Yes, I can. Uh. <laughs> oh man, we just pulled some uh, uh, Tribe Called Quest what out. A, yeah. <laughs> what a perfect moment! Uh, all right, I'm gonna get us right back on track. Is 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 the next scene? Is this the? Yes, is this, it is. Is this Josh and his roommate? Yeah, next up is Josh. Josh, Josh yes. and his roommate is, is the next scene. Because yes. this is really where we get like what feels like some real glimpses at Ruth. But mm. also, I want to talk to you guys about that because I want to know if you guys think some of what Ruth says in this scene is true or not. Okay. Um, but but so this is so this is uh Ruth trying to go at this point, we're I think as an audience, we're pretty we've got a, a we've got an idea that these people are on a list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And she's trying to get very specific people. Uh, and, and she's going to one sort of like one victim after another. And so she goes to a place to try and find the next one only to find that only his roommate is home. Mm. And so we get this weird kind of awkward, funny, but also, I mean, this scene really reminded me of sightseers because it's, it's just kind of like a meet cute between two yeah, weird yeah. people that and it like bubbles very slowly. Yeah. 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 Because she does initially try to leave. Yes. She, I don't think because she, she doesn't wants want to, to kill Josh. Yeah. yeah. Because this guy has nothing to do with what she's there for. You yeah, know? yeah. Like he, he's, he had no involvement with what happened to her baby daddy and she's not there for Josh. And you know? She, um, she's, she's put on the persona of a um, single mom, like B yes. left by the husband or, or, or the baby's daddy. And um, yes. So do we, okay. This is what I want to talk about, Chris. Do we think that story is true in any way, or is that all false? Wait, what's the story that she tells Josh about? I was left by my baby daddy. He went for a younger well, woman. She introduces herself as Claire. And then, right. It's a fake name. There's a moment when he's cooking something and in she, and he wants her to, to have a taste of what he's cooking. Um, Anchovies, I believe. Right. And, and she says, she, she says, I don't know if Claire likes anchovies. Mm, interesting. There's this, like, where she, like, she's probably... She almost goes third person right. on, on the character she's playing, yeah. yeah. So, um, no, I don't think we believe her. Okay, um, right. So that story is all false. And I actually, I think we can confirm that that story is false. Yeah. Because it's later that she finds out that her man was thinking of leaving. Right. That's right. And yeah. that, and, and when we find out that when he, that he did not know she was pregnant yes. because she found out yes. the day. He right, died. Right, 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 right. So right. yeah, I don't think any of that story. You're right. Is true. You're right. Okay. Yeah, okay. Also, Which that's also, like even doubly heartbreaking. You know, like yeah. also she, when she introduced uh, herself to us and um, Mr. Petchup, um, she said she's the mother of an eight year old. Yes, yes. So uh, I agree with you, Chris. Like at this point in the movie, I'm like, I know she's lying to these people for the most part. Like that's yeah, yeah. what she's doing. She's telling everybody stories. But because this interaction overall feels like a pretty warm, real moment that mm-hmm. Ruth starts having with this guy, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure what parts of what she was saying were part of the story Ooh. and what parts were really Ruth. Do you know the, what I mean? She was being extremely right. emotionally honest here. I think this is the first time that we've mm-hmm. seen her emotionally transparent. Yes. Because we start to see it in the Ella killing. Um, she doesn't kill, uh, what was the guy's name? Tom? Um, Thomas. Thomas. Yeah. And... Um, she doesn't kill him, so that sort of like cracks her open a little yeah. bit more. Here, yeah, I think she's being emotionally honest, but not telling but the not story right because the, yes. if she tells the story, yeah, 
she can still be caught by Josh. Right, right, If right, she right, kills right. his roommate another day. That's, that's right. You yeah. know, she's and, now a suspicious character. Yeah. And the baby starts to demand that, uh, do I have this right uh, in my memory that the baby starts to demand that she kills Josh anyways? Yeah, I think oh, she actually rebels against the baby. Yeah, she says, "Oh, I should leave," and the baby says, "Like, no, don't go yet. You right. got to take care of this guy." And she's essentially does like, "I know he's good, right? Um, I can't do it," and rebels against the baby, and then only follows through when the opportunity to kill the roommate suddenly arises. Yes, Josh witnesses. Yeah, it. once once <laughs> with, Josh with his two it. plates of pasta. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what though is nice? We actually don't see how Josh died. Oh, that's just, interesting. She crawls up to him, and then he gets yanked off screen. And then I, later, she makes a reference to, "I shouldn't have killed him. He he didn't do anything." Yeah, right. right. We don't actually see how how he goes. That's, that is interesting. Yeah. That the the movie has so much sympathy for Josh because he really is an innocent player in this. That mm. with, there is no graphic death for Josh. No graphic. She beats yeah. his roommate to death yeah. with the thingy. Yes. Yeah. And then I guess we can assume that's what happened to him, but there's nothing to explicitly say it. Right. He just comes out with the pasta and comically tosses both plates <laughs> like a waiter falling over <laughs> as she attacks him, and then we cut away. Yeah. Yeah. Really? He's also like like he's a humorous element as well because he's so good he's too good to be true right yes yeah mm. he's he's as much a fantasy character as her fetus is yeah, you yeah. know like well and it's also like he he has a he doesn't have kids but he does have a nephew or a niece, a niece yeah he, a niece that he and he he loves it yeah. but it's like very clear that this guy is like in other circumstances perfect for her yeah yes absolutely 100 percent perfect for yeah. her at least as she fantasizes such a relationship to be yeah yeah i think that's like the conversation following uh those killings with a baby in the hotel room is about the baby not wanting to have another dad yes yeah yeah she says something to the effect of like yeah, she it's Dan you were talking about. She says something like why we didn't have to kill him. Why did we kill him? I don't like that we we killed him. And and the baby's reasoning is like, "Well, I don't want another dad." Like that's not that's not what this is about. This isn't for this isn't for you to find somebody else to and replace that totally dad. And totally speaks to what you're saying where it's like that's just her reasoning with herself. Yeah. You yeah. know, that is just her saying, "I shouldn't have killed that guy." Yeah. Well, no, you 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 should have. Yes, and right. Not only was it logistically smart, it was correct. Yeah. It yep. was the correct yep. thing to yes. do. Yes. Yeah. yeah, she I mean she is moralizing with herself. Moralizing, that's like yeah. one of the things she's doing for sure. Yeah. Also in the scene is like we see the for the first time that someone really recognizes her like um Zach. Oh right, when that guy opens the door yeah. Do you you think that's what that reaction is that he recognizes Ruth? He says some he says something like, "Oh, it's you," or, or something like that. It's like just because like, he does have a big reaction yeah. to seeing her yeah, when he yeah, opens the true. door. Or he says something like, he "I'm sorry." Some sort of bargaining. He says thing. something like, "I'm sorry, I didn't do it," or something like that. Yeah, I think he he throws some sort of like bargaining out there, like, "Hey, you know, I." This is not what you know. I'm not what you think. Like that kind of a thing. Interesting. Or don't do this because yeah. it won't bring him back. Or is this some? There was some sure, sort of bargaining sure. thing like that. Yeah. Oh, I just feel so bad. <laughs> that's very interesting. Also, yeah. I, but I will say too, to borrow that terminology, this is the first time she was ever recognized as like a as a person to be empathetic with by anybody but her midwife. Oh, it's but, you know Josh sees her as a person. And it's, it's the first why time Josh anybody comes off so well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know the the first. 
everyone else was either trying to target her or, tra- yep. or size her up yep. if you know as a job interview yeah and this is the first one where this guy was just purely interested in what her story was even yep. if it wasn't her she's either being taken advantage story. of or dismissed yeah in yeah, every yeah. other scenario and josh know? was just like well i he says uh, oh he has a great moment it's so fucking adorable yeah. i want to marry josh <laughs> he says uh he's he, He's like, oh, why don't you uh, stay for dinner? And she's like, no, 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 I couldn't. And he was like, well, you know, my roommate can like fuck himself. You can have his portion. Yeah, yeah. It's like that's so nice. Yeah. That's the nicest thing. Yeah. If that happened to me, I'd be like, well, I'm just gonna eat both portions myself, and you can leave. <laughs> but Josh is willing to share it with a stranger. Very good. Yeah. And again, I I'd still be alive. He he's he's dead. So <laughs> who's in the right? Sorry, um, Josh. <laughs> worth worth pointing pointing out, I think, uh, is the actor uh, uh, who has like this ten seconds of um, uh, playing uh, Zach. Uh, yes, is Tom Meaton, and Tom Meaton and Alice Lowe star in a very worth your while movie called The Ghoul. I don't know if you've seen it yet. I'm not familiar with that. The Ghoul. The Ghoul. It's um. I think it's from. Um, like three years old, maybe. Um, okay. This is a very weird detective story, um, which plays on on different levels of reality as well. So um, cool. It's very dark. It's very it kind of has like the same unspecified suburban landscape to it as does Prevenge. Mm-hmm. Um, so they make a good like double feature. So check it out. I Chris. just looked it up, and I'm looking at the poster for it. And oh, you know, it's executive produced by Ben Wheatley. Makes sense. So that makes sense. But that looks pretty gnarly. Oh, that does look cool. That's cool. Oh, I'll definitely check this out. Chris, can I ask you a very weird question based on what you just said? Yep. You did. De- you described this as a suburban setting. Did you not? Uh, an urban setting. Urban setting. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I thought you said suburban, and I was like, Jesus Christ, is the UK really that different from America? That's a suburban setting. No, no, no. That's, a, that's probably just because we, we keep referring to the Pet Shop and the Pet Shop Boys, and they have the songs about the so, um, that's, um And it's late. And I'm, yes, yes. I'm, it's not my mother tongue. So, no, um, this urban, urban landscape, I think yes, this yes. is also, this is like really... Um, one of the things I like about Prevention a lot is like that there's no telling where this takes place. And it's also a bit mm-hmm, vague mm-hmm. On, on the time. Um, yeah, that's true. I don't think ever, there's really any like aggressive feel modern like, tech or anything to set it off. Yeah. It feels like it's fall. Yeah. That's like the most I can tell you yeah. about the time. Yeah. You know, it just it feels like yeah, it's fall. It's Halloween. Yep. That's important. Yep. Oh, and this guy that played Zach, Tom Meaton, he's also in Sightseers. He's credited as as head shaman. Okay, so, I don't I don't remember, but uh, that's that sounds very interesting. <laughs> yeah, the shamans—they're they're like uh, killing the chicken of the. Um... Oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. I remember. And uh, I uh, I didn't even realize this. I knew she looked familiar, but I couldn't place it. But the interviewer Ella, that's just the lady from the witch. Yes, it's the mother from yeah, the witch. Yeah, the mother yep. from the witch. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wild. Right. Yeah. Oh my. Yep. Yeah. So much talent going on here. Oh yeah. That, I mean, well, and it, once once we wrap going through the the plot here, I do want to talk about just like the production oh, stuff yeah, that yeah. are like very interesting to me. But we're getting close to that. So we 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 we. Uh, I think we've wrapped on Josh and his roommate, right? Oh because- man, Josh was so nice. <laughs> His because, niece is going to grow up without him. She loved... Oh, 
breaks my heart. <laughs> breaks my heart. Maybe, maybe they should make a prequel with uh, with Josh being best friends with DJ Dan and. <laughs> Well, it is. It is true. Josh would never, I, ever hang out with DJ Dan. I, He'd get the proper read on DJ Dan right off the bat and be like, "This guy's bad news." I am. No, he'd be nice to him. He'd be nice to him, but I don't think he'd he'd hang out with him. He'd be like, "All right, man, I'll be back another time." Maybe they've been roommates for I don't know, like two sure, months. Sure, sure. Yeah. I, I am. Very movie in that. But then DJ Dan couldn't afford it, so he had to move back in with mom. That's <laughs> the perfect prequel. It's called Pre Prevenge. <laughs> Starring Josh. Pre-revenge. <laughs> Pre-revenge. Prevenge. Uh, wait, so I am curious. What do you guys think about this? Because I think we can discuss this without getting to the end. Sure. Uh, I mean, we can get to the end. Now we're close. How are all these... Are, are Do all of these people work for the company that Ella works at? And they're at a work outing? Is this... Are they all part of a random climbing class at that guy's gym? Like, how do these people end up on a climbing event together? I think it doesn't matter. It, yeah. Oh, it doesn't at all. It definitely doesn't matter. I read it as they were all random people. Yes. Um, it's like a guys, random class. Yeah, it's just a something. class that everyone signed yeah, up for. Yeah, um, yeah because the yeah, I don't think it was a work outing or else yeah. then yeah. she would have been recognized. It, it doesn't make right sense, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah because then you might... I see Dan not having a job at all. Um, oh, yeah. DJ Dan is a DJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Oh, maybe oh, it never maybe, occurred like, to me that he was in the climbing party. <laughs> I just forgot yeah, everything yeah. about that. Yeah. <laughs> then there's a pet shop guy. That's his job, being sleazy yep, yep. in the pet shop. <laughs> sleazy references to a snake and, and other uh-huh. animals in his... Um, yeah. So You know what? I bet DJ Dan, whatever this climbing situation was, I bet he was the first person to say, cut the rope. I think, before it was yeah. even before it was yes. even an issue, he yep. was like, "Cut the rope!" Yeah, I got a gig. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just get that read on DJ. He's a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. Josh would have never cut the rope. Yeah, but he wasn't. On the, he, he wasn't part of the team. He, he, he wasn't part of the team, but if he was, he would have cut himself loose to save everybody else. Because that's Josh. Yeah. He's just that caliber of a human being. Dan's saying this would be an entirely different movie oh, if it oh, was yeah. Josh who went on that so trip. He yeah. is, here's my take on Josh. He's an asshole because he's stealing like <laughs> he's stealing all the screen time. We don't know shit about Zach. We don't know nothing yeah. about Zach. So he's just like, he's putting himself front and center and... and he doesn't matter at all. He he doesn't play any part in the uh, yeah. of, of the drama. Zach does. I respect. Yeah. I respect how much you care about the characters in this story. Oh yeah. yeah. You know you're right. Fuck him. Yeah yeah. <laughs> now I'm over it. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's I cut nice Josh guy. down. Yeah. He's he's a nice guy. You know. Don't trust yeah. nice guys. Yeah, that's true. He might have he might have saved everybody's life on the cliff. Yeah. But then he was up to no good later that <laughs> night. He was probably like, I saved everybody. Maybe you should fucking blow me. <laughs> he's probably that guy. So the is the DJ next... Dan get down. <laughs> <laughs> is the next one the the woman that she goes Dan. to like her house? Yeah. The, the uh, fitness yes. obsessed Game woman? of Thrones alum. Yeah, that was what Tori told me that yep. she was a Game of Thrones person. Yep, she's a Game of Thrones person. Really? Who is <laughs> she in Game of Thrones? She was the Greyjoy sister, uh, Yara Greyjoy, oh. I believe her name was it Asha Greyjoy. I know it's different in the books, but yeah, she was the Greyjoy sister. All right, I didn't recognize her at all. Yeah, that is her. Yeah. So that scene is hilarious. Oh, that like that might great. be one of the funniest that, scenes of the that movie. That is the funniest scene of the movie. I agree. Yeah. I think that was one of the sadder deaths too. Yes. Um, that's another like really 
effective bleed out? Well, because that death very much feels like this is really the to me. I mean, I guess you could argue this about Dan's roommate because we know so little about him. Yeah, yeah. But but we know we we learned enough about this one. This is one where it's like this woman does not deserve this. Yeah, she this woman had there. nothing to do with what happened yeah. to her baby daddy. She happened to be there when it happened. Yeah. You know, this is just pure chance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and so I do think it has this, this one takes on because at this point we know more about the situation that's mm. happening and stuff. This one definitely, I think intentionally it's, it's like good in the right. This is like good writing. I think that this one takes on a very like, ah, this shouldn't be happening. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're you going know? too far. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that? Chris? Is that like, you feel like we're, we're on the right track with that? Yeah, I think so too. Also, I think it's like uh, the, the uh, Ruth starts to, to, become more and more like like a like the person that i don't like um it's right. funny she's funny in this moment she's very she's like very um how do you say um um she she's not she's not anxious about anything or excited or she's like in control she's totally in control of the situation she's making a yeah. lot of snarky witty remarks and she's like when when she's pointing the knife, like making her statement that she's a working mother. Um, mm -hmm. uh, that's funny as hell, but also she, <laughs> that is funny. She's, I'm a working mother. <laughs> she's an asshole at this point. So, yeah. um, and she, but you know, like she she gets her uh, her comic relief by escaping through the the dock door. So um, yes, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. She's I think you're right. It's like Len is that's at this point you have the feeling this is unnecessary why are you doing this just just yeah, let her yeah. go let her go yeah and this is the first time that she that she is up against somebody who i mean now granted she doesn't really have the like she she blows her element of surprise yes which gives uh len a chance to defend herself yeah but this is the first time that she was sloppy enough to to blow her element of surprise everyone else she just snuck yeah. up on except zach i guess but even he was like dumbfounded at the point yeah. this is the first time that she met someone who could be reasonably considered like her match yes you yeah know, she meets her match oh, here for a minute well i think one of the funniest shots in the movie is when lynn is that the character's name is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah. when len when when len realizes this woman is here to kill her and runs to a different room and then when uh ruth then turns the corner and len has boxing gloves on yeah. oh yeah that's like one of the funniest shots in the movie well, and it's great because it suggests like she has boxing gloves because she's a fitness yes. nut of yep. course she'd go yep. rock climbing yep. well, but it's also like there was a piece of me that was like i hope she knocks ruth the fuck out well and she well oh that's also that's another series of hilarious shots in this movie is her just punching her over and over yeah, yeah, again yeah. like hitting her like four different times like i think even ruth says something like stop doing that she's yeah, like yeah. no yeah yeah <laughs> it's really good uh it's it's definitely some of the bigger comedy in the movie is yeah, in this yeah, scene, yeah. I would say. But but uh, I do think one of the interesting things that's happening here is like, you know, you've got this pregnant woman who's yelling at this, you know, basically like fit young woman being like, oh, you think you're so fit. You're so young. Like, what do you, you know, it's like it is another like motherhood anxiety that is being expressed, I think, mm -hmm. in this scene. Oh, well, she represents like the body type that's particularly difficult to get to after you've right. given birth. Yeah. You know, she right. represents right. Yeah. Uh, like virility and, yes. and youth. Yeah. yeah. Which, which is one of the interesting things in this movie where it's like, by the end, it's like, Oh, we understand what Ruth's motivation is for all of this. And it has very little to do with, with her unborn baby to some extent. Mm. But then, you know, flip side is all of it is also a big parallel to, I think for like burgeoning motherhood and having a oh, yeah. child and, 
uh, and uh, there's, there's an also ego element to yes. this kill that I think it's it's it feels like more of a success to her because she overpowered somebody who like definitely could take her out. Y- yes. Where I kind of had that doubt about everyone else because she had the element of surprise. Right. They never would have expected her to fight. We definitely don't feel like Ruth has the upper hand in this yes, situation yeah. necessarily. Um, I do. By the way, this is something I wanted to say earlier too. I just because I feel like we need to say it all out, although we probably don't. We're a bunch of dudes that don't know anything about you know being a pregnant lady, and so oh, like yeah, we, yeah. we might be misreading some of the. But uh, you know. credit to this movie, I think yeah. it really opens up an avenue of empathy towards that because it had me thinking about things that I really would never have considered about pregnancy because totally of agree. this. So it's like as an educational opportunity in that respect. That's yeah, it's like really cool. I agree. Well, I'm talking about like empowerment for you, know, like um, women being in the state of pregnancy. I think there's no better movie than this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, it, literally, the movie is about like what she maybe is. Fargo. She, maybe Fargo. Yeah. Well, she's like she's capable of like uh, this is like a horrible way to say this. It's like a very Catholic thing to say, but like the ultimate sin, <laughs> despite being like eight months pregnant, right? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. she's she's unstoppable. There's nothing this woman couldn't do, <laughs> yeah, despite true. the fact that she's eight months <laughs> pregnant. You know? Yeah. And the fact that it's being played by a woman who is clearly demonstrating that there is nothing she can't do. Yes. Because that is right. I was reading up on it, and apparently she wrote the script in three days. Yeah. And then shot it in 11 days while eight months pregnant. That's insane. That's crazy. I was saying to Gary before the podcast, if I even had the slightest headache, I'd be like, well, let's just not make the movie at all. Let's <laughs> yeah. just do that. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just. <laughs> give up on the whole movie we'll burn the script and i'll go take some tylenol and like play a video game yeah. but like eight months pregnant and pissed off yeah. fuck man that is yeah. that is impressive very impressive that is Absolutely. deeply impressive yeah um do, uh do we have more on on uh what did we say her name was len uh len len i len just that was one where i thought len was gonna win and then once again, Ruth sticks the knife in her. Yep. We don't see the entry point of the knife, but we get that wonderful sound effect. Yes. That's like kind of wet and damp, like you're stabbing a, a wet boot. <laughs> but then, you know, they have that moment where they realize the power has shifted. Len looks utterly distraught, like, this is impossible. This couldn't have happened. Oh. And then just slowly bleeds out again. Another puddle of blood. Oh, it's gross. Wait, but also this just reminded me of another one of the best. This scene has all the best jokes in the movie. There's that great setup very early in the movie where she's with the midwife and the midwife's like, you know, sometimes loud noises will cause your breasts to start producing milk. Right. Oh, you're that's, right. that's like a scary thing. That's like a weird thing that happens yeah, yeah. during pregnancy. Like, be, be prepared ready for, for it. it. Be yeah. ready for it. And then as soon as she hears a police siren, she, like, right. she, mur- she murders this woman. The police sirens go off. And as soon as she hears it, she's lactating. She stands up and she's lactating. And she even looks down and does like a fuck. Yeah, yeah. I should have expected this. Dude, I, that, I was told by that my doctor. That made me cackle with laughter. Oh, like, that is so, I forgot about that. What a funny that's image. such a well set up joke. And also as an educational thing, like I never gave consideration <laughs> to that being a thing that happens. Spontaneous to lactation. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that makes perfect sense that that would happen. Yeah. Human beings are fucking gross man <laughs> every day something happens with either my body or someone else's body where i'm like man we are fucking gross animals yeah it's crazy uh that was so funny to me that's like that's, such a funny that is really, it's really amazing that's like yeah. like there was maybe- really really long how do you say it? like a slow burn or a long, long- yeah yes yeah, slow burn it's it's yeah it's i mean it's a it, it's a big swing right it's yeah. a setup that comes what 60 minutes before the punchline i thought i wrote something down it's like just 
I don't know. That's um the, there's there's a there's an inherent like restraint and patience in that yeah. that I think most joke tellers, filmmakers, artists don't have. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And I think a, a different movie too would have made her like spraying milk everywhere. Yeah, yes, into it. yeah. this is just oh real. My God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just real. This is how it would happen. Yeah. It wouldn't be. Yeah. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of the Takashi Miike movie Visitor Q. Uh. That movie features <laughs> so much milk spraying out of boobs. <laughs> it is like that's like, and it's kind of like what the movie's about. <laughs> I don't. I recommend it, but I don't recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. I do want to see it now. Uh, there's a lot of other Takashi Miike that you should get to before you get to Visitor Q. So Visitor Q, put it on the top of my watch list. I mean, yeah, man, you got to do what you got to do. You got it. Eight a.m. I'm gonna get to it. There was a line in Prevenge that I feel was like called back to, mm. and I meant to write it down, and that I I didn't, and I don't remember what it was. Does that sound familiar to either of you? Yeah. Yeah, there was I, like one phrase that I think was called back to at least twice, maybe three times. And each time I remember going, oh, that kind of takes a different context this time. I feel like I remember having a moment like that where I was like, oh, I, I don't remember what it was like a refrain. Yeah, but, eh, whatever. I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking of Chef. The thing she goes on about with almost every victim and and uh, is um, selfishness. Say that again is, is what? Selfishness. She, she's selfishness. always... He's always judging people like being selfish. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was there was a mention of like you would do anything for this child, but mm. there was like a phrasing around that that was mm. repeated. Mm-hmm. I think that might be it. Baby knows that. Maybe it, I don't it know was if something it, like that. Yeah, but. I don't know if it was that specifically, but there is. I mean, there is a lot of and and it feels like there the, was one specific kind of like, maternity different characters said the same exact line yeah and it was framed different each time but i, I don't know <laughs> i don't know we'll do an addendum in a future episode yeah yeah i just don't remember yeah. i should have written it down it's worth it's yeah. worth going back to see the movie for another time for me Absolutely. so yeah thanks for pointing that out dan <laughs> well i just i got a cat in, over the last couple of weeks and so i was laying on my couch watching this movie and the cat was on my chest and as you do when you fall in love with a pet i was like ah my notebook is over there but if i move i'll disturb this cat <laughs> that has somehow earned this respectable position like if, if it was my girlfriend i'd be like get the fuck off me so i can get my yeah, notebook yeah. which is awful but the cat i'm just like who's your little cookie i don't need to have this information because you have fuzzy face it's so ridiculous <laughs> that's why i don't have that information because doris the cat yeah it's fucking Doris. adorable. Doris. Doris. Adorable name for a cat. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so can you uh, tell Chris your cat's full name? Uh, the full name is Doris Pringle Brule Salahari. But um, <laughs> we just call her Doris. I believe the Brule part is for Steve Brule. Well, in the Check It Out with Dr. Steve Brule, his mom keeps getting married. And by the end of the series, her name is Doris Pringle Brule Salahari. <laughs> okay. Because she has so many names. And um, so, yeah, so uh, Jenna, my significant other, was like, can we name her Doris after Doris Day? I was like, we can meet in the middle and we can <laughs> name her Doris after Doris Pringle Brusselari. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's where we landed. That's so funny. <laughs> and that's why I don't have the note is <laughs> because Doris has got fuzzy face. She's like, how about this inspiring person that I like? You're like, how about this fictional character's <laughs> yeah. mother that I'm into? <laughs> but credit... To my girlfriend, she was like, "Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah that's yeah. great. <laughs> that makes more sense. Like, perfect. I love it." Yeah. Uh, so I think we just have basically the final murder to get to, right? Right. Yes. So because we, there is that moment where she follows the the climbing instructor in the street. Mm-hmm. 
She, there's that's a, what I was thinking of earlier, yes. where she follows him because he says something like, "I remember you from the service." Right. Yeah. Or something like that. And I, I didn't. So you're helping me because I didn't exactly know what was said there. I thought maybe he was saying, "I remember you from when you came earlier in the movie yeah, when yeah, you yeah. were following me." He might have said that, but I, I for some reason, service actually makes that. more sense yeah, yeah. to me. That 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 it because that's what I was hoping for in that scene. So well, and more... it kind of shows us some humanity for him yes. because we get the sense that not all of these people showed up at the service, right. and he felt some sort of responsibility. Yes, yes. Um, being the instructor in the situation, that it was important for him to be at the service. Yeah. I yeah. think that's cool. Yeah. yeah, he's also the only person who's like making claims of you know, like what happened, trying to explain, um, trying to get through to her, like through her pain. What what pains her like. Mm. Um, and this is probably the reason why we can cut this short. He, the kill doesn't go down. Again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, she's, she's got that great Halloween costume on this Halloween party. He's in like a Spider-Man costume, oh, yeah, yeah. which was, this is something weird about it. His Spider-Man costume had little plastic spiders affixed to it. Oh, I didn't notice which that. I, like there was a bunch of them just like, like little plastic spiders hanging on him. I don't, I, there's a lot of versions of Spider-Man, but I don't think there was ever one that was just crawling with spiders. <laughs> uh, that was weird to me. That was very funny. I didn't know. When I saw that. that, I was like, you know what? Fuck this guy. Kill him. <laughs> Kill him. <laughs> That's not my Spider-Man. Yeah. And but I take Spider-Man. But she clearly has come to this party to kill him. And only to great costume. Uh... Oh, the costume's amazing. The makeup is so like legitimately creepy and weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has a Day of the Dead feel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, they you know they have this interesting interaction where she can't quite bring herself to do it, and a part of it is because he is like actually appealing to her trauma and pain. Mm-hmm. Um even though it seems like some of what he's saying might drive her a little more mad. You know, he's, he's like, I understand that I you think didn't... he does show a little bit of the sense of he didn't come out of that unscathed right. either. Right. Yeah. Um, he's doing his best to get by, yes. but he obviously carries it with some emotionality. Yes. There's remorse on his part for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think you're right. Like, probably even more than that. Well, he's doing something similar to her because she's using the device of her baby speaking to mm. rationalize her need to murder, um which is sort of an insane way to do it, but he has to fall back on the logistics of it where it's just we we had to do it. It was yeah. cut one or cut everybody. Yeah. And I wish I didn't have to make that decision, but I did. And whether that's valid or not, you know, in the context of the situation, we'll never know without the full story, but like it's true to him for sure. Well, and that's his, it's his also revealed mechanism. that he's got a pregnant partner. Yes. In that yeah. 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 And so in that way, it really does parallel like some of what's happening with Ruth because she's using her baby as an excuse to sort of murder these people. And you could argue he's using his baby as the reason to just like push forward and move on. Yeah. 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 You know, and she even says like, I can't do that to her. Right. Right. You know? Is that yeah. the moment where he drops the hint at, um, her, her, partner um planning Eva? yes yes he he says like he said something to me to the effect of like things weren't going well yeah yeah he said he was thinking about leaving you yeah and uh he's like i know you were struggling yeah. as a couple mm-hmm. and th- and i think this is also where she reveals that like this was the day right. that i found out i was pregnant right mm-hmm. 
yeah, she reveals that the day he died was the day that she found out. So he didn't know. He never even knew. So that kind of solves that question yeah. of why was he doing this this death defying thing. But then it also raises the question of maybe because things were rough, he just wanted to get out and do something. Right. And so there is a little bit of she feels some sort of responsibility for he would have never been on this trip if not for the troubles we shared. Right, right. Yeah. So there's a lot of re- revealing going on here. And then her water breaks. Yes, yeah. yes, that's right. In the, uh, she in the bathroom, right, when that happens? And she kind of just seems to decide, like, fuck that. Like, this baby's not coming yet. I need to do another murder. Mm. It's like, it seems to me what she's deciding there. I'm trying to remember. I don't have the clearest memory of this scene. Th- I mean, that that's kind of what I remember about that scene. That, that's how I remember feeling during that scene. Is that she, you know, there is this idea that like, hey, the baby's coming. And then she mm-hmm. seems to resist that a couple of times throughout oh, the movie. And you know, that would speak to the idea of like, if I have this baby, it will no longer speak to me. Yes. I will no longer have an excuse. Yes. If I want this guy dead, it yes. has to happen now. Yes, yeah. exactly. Interesting. Yeah. I, I do really think that's what's happening in that bathroom. She's going like, this baby's not coming yet because once this baby comes, I can't murder this dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but how does this work with her reaction to when the baby is actually born? Because her reaction towards this is what makes the end of the movie. Well, that's what I mean, Chris. Because yeah, so well, we we can it. get to the end. Because so how does she? Leave? I don't remember how she exits that party. She like pass out or something. She walks out on it. She she she's, she's totally. She's like, that's the baby. Oh oh oh! Like, uh, sorry, Dan is asking how how we get from the party yeah, to yeah, the yeah. hospital. I don't. I don't remember what happens oh, after the water yeah, breaks. You spend too much attention on on Doris again. Yeah, <laughs> probably. I also was smoking weed. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> he was so, watching my beautiful railway on his iPad while yeah. he had this on in the background on the TV. Yeah, and what's funny is I'm usually like super engaged with everything, and so I was super engaged with this, but uh, yeah. it's just that that portion of my memory is gone as to the specifics of it. No, I, it's, Fine. Fair enough. Um, that's why I need you guys. What happened? How did she get out of the party? Uh, I think we, we. I think it's it's uh, actually Thomas coming to her. Um, yeah. To uh, attending to her. Okay, I, so I was right. I think she did sort of pass out. Right? I believe she. Yeah. The water breaks in the bathroom. She seems to try and struggle through it. Yeah. yeah. And then as. Uh, she ends up back in conversation with Thomas, but is clearly like falling up. But like he, yeah, he yeah. ends up sort of like helping her. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. And, okay. and I do remember that. And I believe the understanding is that it was then, the spiders, man. I, I was think, like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and so I just couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> I, I think once we arrive at the hospital, the idea is we understand that he just kind of helped her. Like yeah, yeah, she, something yeah. happened, and and they made sure she made it to a hospital. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, I, the, or I, I think right, Chris. That's like kind of the understanding I, I have of that sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like another Josh. Right, yeah, yeah. getting it done. Yeah. But then, yes, Chris, you're right. So then, she, you know, uh, the baby is born. Uh, we, we, we meet Ruth back in the hospital with the baby. Her midwife is there. They have a short conversation uh, that is, is sort of a recapping of just like, like, hey, you made it through this. Like, it's, mm-hmm. you know, look, you did it. it. I know you were worried about things and, and things are difficult, but like, you made it through this. You have a baby now. Like, now we need to continue doing what's best for baby. And right. then she just abandons the baby in the hospital. She says something to the midwife that's like very alarming. And the midwife's like, well, I'm going to go down the down the hall right. and get a social worker. What did she say? I can't remember now. Do you remember, Chris? I think it's something in the terms of that. Um, that it's 
she's disappointed in the baby. Oh, right. She, I think she literally says something like, well, she's not speaking to me anymore or something. Oh, she yeah. like, she, she gets a little more express about the idea that she was oh, communicating yeah, yeah. with it. She says like, I can't hear her anymore Yeah, 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 yeah. or okay. something like that. Yeah. It was something just weirdly alarming. Yeah. 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 And, and yes, you're right. The, the midwife has kind of a reaction of like, you get, you could tell the midwife was already worried about her mental state and demeanor. Mm-hmm. And that that response was kind of a, okay, so you're still struggling. Like, we yeah, need yeah, to go yeah. make sure somebody is here to help you with this. This is above me. I've got to yeah, get you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because then, to our understanding, she just abandons the baby in the hospital right there. Right. And basically goes to find the climbing instructor to murder him. Um, does she go? I don't think she find... seeks him out. No, I think well, she goes to the side where... where um... Yes. Her, her her friend whatever died, and he happens to be there too, and this is like yes, this is worth uh, some discussion of this is uh, if this is really happening or if this is some kind of like yes. I want to talk about the scene. This is literally. I'm glad we spent happening. two hours getting to the scene because this is the scene I want to talk about. I think it is happening. Yeah, I, I think do too. That by proxy of him having taken this woman that he remembers that he's related to through trauma, he wants to go back to that cliff and hang out there and just take it in and ruminate on it. Yeah. Because obviously this has reached ahead by running yes. into this woman who has clearly been seeking him out. He helps get her to safety. And so, yeah, and so I think it is just he went there because he wanted to be there. She went there for the same reason. And wouldn't you know it, it turns out to be a trigger. And that, yeah, I mean, I, I think that 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 final shot was like confounding to me at first because it what it feels like happened. This is this is like my experience of watching this right in the hospital. The baby is born. She says, I can't hear the baby anymore. And then we're led to believe that she just kind of abandons the baby in the hospital. And you kind of go like, wow, she like. This is yeah, she's over. She's it. really deep into this. Yeah. This is like something is really going on. This is beyond. Th- th- I mean, this is the real confirmation that this is beyond some weird supernatural. Her fetus is talking to her, and this has all been some weird coping mechanism mm-hmm. for whatever trauma she's experiencing that has led to her wanting to kill these people. Yeah, and th- and it's really it's it in those final moments is when you realize when you really finally realize that was a list all these people were there when her husband died. She blames all of them husband when, when her baby's daddy died. She, <laughs> I love how hung up we are. <laughs> she, she blames him. Uh, she blames all of these people for that in some way. And she's coming for vengeance for them. And as you guys said, like as we're watching the movie, part of the reason that's confusing is because she seems so disengaged from the murders in some respect. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that this final moment is when we reveal that like, it's when she finally comes to terms with like, no, this is my rage. This is my fury. Mm-hmm. I am mad at these oh, yeah. people for what happened. And it comes at a moment where, at least physically speaking, she's no longer responsible for this baby. Right. Uh, she's almost free of it. Yeah. Um, you know, she's, and so in, in one way, yeah, she's free of it talking to her, but in, in the truest way, she's free of the responsibility of having to think about it. Yeah. If she so chooses to pursue this path of vengeance. Right. It's it's a very interesting moment because at first I didn't really know what to make of it. I, yeah. I, I kind of I, I had a similar reaction to you, Chris. I was like, "Is this real? Is this another expression of her um, guilt and trauma?" Like she's at, unreliable. We don't know if what we see through her eyes is necessarily right. genuine. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, "No, I, I really I think that this is her truth, and it's her coming to terms with her truth. Yeah. That this is how passionate she is about. This is how upset and angry." 
she is about what has happened. And it's the removal of her last mask because yeah. like she's no longer wearing the mask of I'm a working mother. Yeah. She is now just purely Ruth. Nothing's attached to her. And so now this this rage manifests as pure rage. Yeah, yeah. And it's also like also it's like the 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 fine mask that she wore, like the Halloween mask, the, the um, Day of the Death ma- mask is like it, that kind of mirrors her expression in the final. Um, yes, the final moment we see her. So there's like mm. coming this. That at least that's what I think. Um, that I think you're spot on. I, you're spot on because it also mimics the the woman in the movie she's watching. Yeah, she, yeah. It, it's a similar face to the the face that that the woman Furies. the Furies. It's a similar face to, that they're making. It's she's I think got a bad case of the Furies. I think all three of those images are definitely meant to reflect one another. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's this delighted madness. I, think, uh, I would I call think it's, it or it's, something. Mm. I think I, I totally agree that this is really happening, but the way it is told, the way it is staged. It has like these, this, um, the same with as with the ending of of the descent, where you can't tell what what's what's real, what had. Um, yeah, the, this is like the way this shot, the way it is told, with the music, the the this really like creepy, trippy soundtrack. Um, it it's all like like we're we're in a state of mind with with Ruth all the time. And this is like probably also her worst state of mind, but also her truest. So um, yeah, yeah, it's her reality, and for us, it's like you know, it's breaking up like boundaries, borders of reality all the time. At least I think the the, the filmmaking. Um, uh, transports this uh, i'm sorry uh, if i'm no no i i know exactly what you're saying yeah you're, you're right you're, i'm right on track with you and it, it mirrors to like the way that she is at the end is like every role that she has tried to inhabit has now been stripped from her when we were talking about earlier when we were talking about the job interview and how this this anger that she has towards the interviewee goes beyond specific vengeance right. and she seems to have uh some sort of uh because of her own lack of identity, she attacks what this woman, uh, what she perceives to be this woman's identity. And so now at the end of the movie, now that she has cast aside all these roles and is free from a spouse, free from her child, she doesn't really have an identity. And she is so now identified by just her fury, just her rage Yeah, that, you know, there, there was really no shell that could stop it at this point. Um, I get the sense that if, if uh, Tom wasn't there, she was going to jump off that cliff anyway. Right. You know, and mm-hmm. who's to say she didn't just tackle him off the cliff. Right. You know, I, I think at that point she was at a, as a, at a loss of self and just had become the spirit of the spirit of vengeance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, going back to crime without passion. Yeah. What do we make now? Well, that so yes, that I this is great because I think this is like a great way to kind of like start wrapping the the yeah, conversation yeah, yeah. about this movie. I do think that's what's going on here is that uh, I love that you brought that up, Dan, because I didn't know that's what that movie was mm. called. But that really helps contextualize some of this, which is I think that what we're watching happen is the the fetus voice, the voice of the fetus, is her way of coping with the fact that she's murdering these people. I think she is murdering these people out of passion. 
She's murdering these people out of a madness that has like befallen her uh, following the death of, of this, uh, of the father of her child that, that she doesn't know what to do with or how to accept the fact that she's becoming a mother, right? She's struggling with all of these things at once. And I think that she tries to, for herself, act like these are crimes without passion that she's mm-hmm. been commanded to do by her unborn fetus. Mm. That that is all rationale to try and give herself an excuse to commit these murders. Mm. And that in the end, this final scene, what we're revealed is once she has been alleviated of the fetus that's commanding her to do these things, she discovers, no, I, I just want to do these things. Yeah, I just need to get this done. Yeah, the, the, these are crimes of, of passion. This yeah, is, yeah. I guess it comes down to the definition of passion. Right. Because I think you're right. And because I think on a, on a macro level, you know, on the larger level, this is all, you know, this was triggered by a passionate thing. Yeah. It's her passion. But um, on a micro level, she does these things moment by moment pretty dispassionately. Yeah. That seems to fade with time as yeah. she starts to think about what she's doing more or the situations change themselves where it's not just a clean kill. Yeah. But, um, man, I really don't know where I land. I mean, I guess it is kind of best of both for me. Yeah. You know, it, it's in order to be an efficient killer, you have to be dispassionate. Yeah. Um, in order to be a human being and to motivate something as awful as violence, you sort of have to be passionate. Yeah. Um, or you just have to, but then the other question is, what if she, before all of this actually was, a person who was a sociopath or a right, psychopath. Right. If it was this lack of ability to to bond with others that caused her and her baby daddy to drift apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of what we're seeing is just a whole bunch of moralizing into this woman might have just started killing people anyway, regardless of any right, circumstances. Right. Mm-hmm. That could be there too. She all she needed was this narrative that these circumstances allowed her to sort of. Create. She was going to find a reason to kill yeah. somebody, yeah. if not given all of yeah. these. I don't want to say valid reasons, but understandable reasons yeah. to put someone on a path of vengeance. That's pretty interesting. I I, I didn't think about it that I way. I don't but know that's if interesting. I buy that. Yeah, but yeah. It's one of those things where I just think there's the. It's ambiguous. In yes, way. it is. You that know? that's an interesting read. If we had any more information about her relationship with her baby daddy as to why they were drifting apart. Yeah then we could make a call. Yeah. But without that, yeah, it's, it really does exist in a vacuum. Yeah. That's interesting. What, I mean, what do you think about that, Chris? Well, as far, I think that's, pretty, yeah, that's pretty spot on, but I was just like, like thinking maybe there's another reading, like a very simple, like you said, very cartoony reading, which is also appealing. I think is like when you just say, go on and say, um, maybe the baby was able to talk really mm. while she was, but at the moment she's uh, brought into this world, she loses this ability. For all we know or don't know, maybe this could be possible. Mm-hmm. Babies speaking uh, to their, you know, like um, mothers uh, while while pre- during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, this would go on a. I think this is like appealing to if if you say like this has some sort of supernatural um, um, tone to it or mm-hmm. it's a supernatural story. So, um, which makes it a, a pretty straightforward uh, slasher film, I think, and with all the like uh, uh, things about 
um, her madness, responsibility, and her becoming a mother or becoming a person is like left out of this theory. But it's fun to, I think, to watch the movie as well. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, if someone read it as this was literally a supernatural mm-hmm. thing, I could not argue it. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. I, I think the information is there. It it absolutely could be read as supernatural, and that's as valid a reading as mm-hmm. anything else. It's like Babadook. Um, well, at I w- the end of Babadook, yeah. my reading on that is that it's just a surreal representation Metaphor. of, of a, you know, just a mental state. But mm-hmm. if someone just said, oh, no, it's a haunted book with ghosts in it, I'd mm-hmm. be like, yeah, that's pretty cool, too. <laughs> it well, totally works. I would love to talk to somebody that really does, that that 100% buys into, this is supernatural and Ruth's fetus is really talking to her. Yeah, because yeah. what I would what I would want to know is, then what do you make of the ending? where Ruth then does continue her madness and murder that guy, mm. regardless, regardless of the fact that baby well, is no longer like talking that. to her. Let's say we read the ending yeah. like that. Yeah. Let's say that that this movie, we're all in agreement that it is explicitly supernatural. Yeah. And, and what her, do we do to explain her burst of violence after being separated from the supernatural? Enemy? Right, yes, I'm curious about that. What do you guys think? Because I, I, I don't know. I would have two readings. One would be that she was driven nuts yeah. by that situation and now just wants to kill. The other one would be that this baby can still control her because okay. the mother always is connected to her child. Okay, okay, sure. Right. What do you got, Chris? Yeah, I think uh, I agree with uh, DJ Dan here. Um, <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> I think in that way you could totally make... Uh, uh, a sequel um, with with a, um, with the idea of of prevention. If this was like the case, or yeah. if you were like this, you could go like, yeah, it's like prevention too. Um, the baby's still there. <laughs> Preschool. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. That's really funny. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I mean, you're right. It's like if you wanted to treat this as if it's like a slasher franchise, right. that would be how you would do it. Yeah. Is that like mo- mother is always connected with child? Mm. There's, there's, there's know, nothing like, that can be done to break that. The ending has like a slasher vibe to it. It's it's like it's it like does the reaction of her is like like Jason coming out of the water and, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know what when it reminds me? Opens their eyes. When you know what like, it reminded me of most? It reminded me of Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminded me of the moment yeah. at the end of Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be I, funny if this movie ended and she just had a penis too. You're like, what? I don't. Now I'm lost. <laughs> <clears throat> and then in Revenge Two, she's played by Bruce Springsteen's sister. Because that's what happened that's in Sleepaway right. Camp. In, in Sleepaway Camp sequel, yeah. So, but you know, like, no, which Sleepaway Camp Two rules? The, the, absolutely does and that was like bruce springsteen's sister that was like a a reveal to me um that was made the movie even better it was like oh yeah so strange (laughs) yeah um but uh you like with this ending and all these other things what i really like about prevenge is um that alice lowe is is totally aware of like the the tropes and and like like um um the little tricks of 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 the genre of 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 horror genre and she just uses it so um to this um um like the let's stick to the interpretation without the supernatural stuff but she uses this supernatural slasher um stuff to tell the story and uh to tell this yeah how do you call it 
yeah that's i think you're right in that because of our expectations um having seen things like the omen or it's alive or things like that um you know the she can lean into the imagery and the style that things like that use, even in a film that's not supernatural. Mm-hmm. And she does so in like, you like, uh, so I still can get over the fact that she did this, like um, within this short time with probably no money at all, just like a lot of uh, really engaged friends or, or, or people from the industry this is an amazing effort. Uh, I think I, I can't stress this enough how, how happy I am that this movie got made. Yeah. I do. Well I, I mean, I, I, as I was watching it, what I couldn't stop thinking about, honestly, Chris, because you were the one that brought it to us was like, this must be such an inspiring movie for burgeoning oh. filmmakers mm. because like at, at, just, just as an example, and this is not meant to actually be an insult to the movie. It's meant to be a huge compliment to it. The DJ Dan sequence, I I found it pretty obvious that that was yeah. not a bar. That was someone's apartment that yeah, they yeah. dressed up to be a bar. And very successfully so. It it reads as a bar. But at, there were a few shots where I was like, I can kind of see into the kitchen back there. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. like, I can kind of see that that's just a neon sign hanging over someone's living room. Or, yeah, you know, you guys never been to the, to the UK, right? Uh, no, true. not until... I, I'm going in August. Oh, are you? Yeah, well, I'm going to Scotland. Going to Scotland for Edinburgh Fringe. Damn, dude. Yeah. Oh, you, you go. I've you never go been. A couple of pubs, and you'll see that a lot of pubs look like someone's living room. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, that's interesting. But what, the the reason I brought it up like that, although that uh, I I will bow to your UK knowledge uh, on that, is that it does seem like it, this is a movie where somebody was like, "I've got ten dollars. Can I use your apartment?" Uh, oh, I know I know that you have three neon signs. I know that Jeff has a bunch of liquor bottles. I know that you know what I mean? And like yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. make your apartment into a bar and make a movie. Oh, that could totally be. That could totally be. I have to rewatch this the scene. Um like I didn't I didn't think about it. I was too drawn into yeah. DJ Dan's uh whole but the, uh, what's the word? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only using that as an example of what I think pervades the whole movie where it's just yeah. like this is somebody that figured this out how DIY. to make Yeah. yeah. And, and like but but the movie does not read DIY. You know what I mean? Like the movie feels like a nice full production. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Despite the fact that it's made in a bunch of apartments. You know what I mean? It's like it, it's it, clear she's a resourceful filmmaker. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, which is super impressive. I, I have to imagine watching something like this as somebody that's trying to make movies, especially on a small scale and trying to pull off like a, you know, I this is a movie I would like to sell to somebody, mm. you know, but I need to do it with the limited means that I have. I imagine it must be like a very, very inspiring movie to, yeah. to watch and mm. see. Um, well, let's. Uh, oh, yeah, we I also have... really liked the music. By the way, that oh, was yeah, the other I, thing um, I wanted to point out. I shazammed that... one of the songs, yeah. one of the more like synthy ones. Yes, and it was the band had a really great name, and I'm gonna pull it up. Please for do because I love you. It. In just a second, it was called Toy Drum. Toy Drum. Okay. Toy Drum. One word, and that was one of the like the score segments. Yeah, awesome. Uh, I loved the the music throughout. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, it's so funny. The rest of my Shazam is just songs from Shaft's big score. <laughs> I was Shazamming the whole thing, and wouldn't you know it, the writer director uh, replaced Isaac Hayes with himself for the sequel. <laughs> it's it's insane. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, it's brilliant. 
Uh, Chris, do you have any like closing final thoughts about Prevenge? I know it's about two in the morning your time, so I'm sure we need to. to I think yeah. I'm gonna uh, put it on right after we ended this conversation and and look for the clues and look for the things that I missed that you guys pointed out and it was such a pleasure to 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 hear your take on on this movie that I like so much that I I would say that I love so much and um I just think as as you said it's a it's a movie that's inspiring to to filmmakers it's inspiring to to horror fans and it's it should just be like it, it doesn't have a release in germany i um if you have shutter go see it now because um oh no you don't have to see it now because we already told uh every second of <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, I would say that, uh, I mean, I really loved this movie quite a bit, and it's one that has been on my Shudder playlist for quite some time, because I always heard it was good, but I always just kind of dismissed it, because I assumed, like, oh, it's probably fun, but it's just, like, some cheap thing, it can wait, and so you choosing it for this caused me to pull the trigger, and, you know, lesson learned, like, that's just a, that's a muscle that I have to stop flexing, Yeah. because what I liked about this movie is that it was so cheap. Yeah. And that it transcended its limitations. It embraced its limitations to create something new. And it's just that and the fact that, I mean, any production value aside, like, it just fucking ruled. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Like, this is one that I'm going to enjoy watching other people watch. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. one of those movies. I'll yeah, it's a fun it to movie people. to, like, discover as, yeah. as you go through it. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate you bringing this movie to the show, Chris, just because I, I was such a big fan of Sightseers and... uh that's the only thing I'm familiar with. Allison Lowe. Do I have her name? Or? Alice Lowe. Alice Lowe. Uh, yeah. that, that, um, that I was familiar with her from. And so it was like good to see more of her work. Like I, I'm very interested in her now and I'd like to see more things from her, um, which is cool. I like discovering like new filmmakers, especially, you know, right now it's like important, I think, to celebrate female filmmakers as well. So it's like it, it's cool to like discover a, another one that I like and, and enjoy and can sort of uh, champion, which is very cool. Um, but as as long as we're wrapping up here, Chris. So for one thing, we need to have you back because this was fantastic. Right, um, great. We'd love to have you on as really as often as as you can and and you're willing. Um, but I want to know, like, uh, one, I want you to tell our audience about some of the other stuff you're doing. But I also want to know what you're doing. Like, are, do you have? So I know uh, most beautiful railway is available if people want it now, right? Can they order a DVD from you if they want it? Yeah, you can totally order a DVD from me. Um, I ship everywhere in the world. Shipping is expensive as fuck i'm sorry to say that um but we understand. i'm thinking about uh putting it up on uh, some place with a paywall i just haven't figured out yet the best way to sure. do it um i tried looked into vimeo but with vimeo you have to like um uh, you, you gotta get membership which pays like i don't know that amount of money in the month that I don't have left because <laughs> I'm, a, mm -hmm. I'm a starving uh, illustrator and and uh, graphic novel artist in my real in my day job. Um, so um, I'm going to see to it that it's probably going to be online behind the paywall. Good, that would, that would be great. I think that would be a, a great way for to make it available to more people. Oh yeah, um, it definitely rules. Yeah, like um, I said, I showed it to people and I was amazed 
at how much patience everyone had with it because I was so afraid I was going to have to be like, no, no, stick with it. Stick mm -hmm. with it. Things are, things are going to happen. But everyone was immediately uh, just transfixed by it. And then was like, oh, oh was that a zombie? <laughs> so, yeah. Chris, you'll love this. My roommate works uh, at a bar, like a, a pretty big bar. They have like this big tap room. And apparently slow TV is something they just watch at this bar oh, occasionally. Bring it on him. He did. Oh, he, nice. He borrowed it. He, I was like telling him about it. He was like, wait, can I borrow that? I was like, yeah, why? He was like, we watch slow TV at the bar sometimes. It's like something that our patrons like. They would probably like. It, it would probably be fun to like oh, nice. drop it on them and surprise them with it. Yeah, like War of the Worlds. Them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I, I lent it to him, and he was like, "Yeah, we watch." He was like, "It was super fun." People like they just started realizing what was happening as it was happening, and that's you could like best. hear the murmur throughout like the bar and stuff as people were, were realizing what was going on. Oh, that's even so. That's even better for this movie to be played at a bar like this as as a backdrop. Uh, yes. around you know like visual noise um, then having the attention of, of, you know, like in a theater or something like that. Um, I, th I think that's how I actually imagine this movie to you know, like work. You flip on the, the, the TV and you switch channels and it's like, oh, that's relaxing train ride. I'm going to stick with this and maybe, uh -huh. maybe roll up a joint and, and you like go sleep. And then you're like, oh, wait, what's that? Um, yeah, perfect, great. Tell your friend uh, I'm, I'm gonna have to to uh, go to his bar the next time I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I will. Well, yeah, I mean, it definitely does feel like the perfect sort of like 3 a.m. I accidentally caught this on TV right. watch. Yeah. You know? That's essentially what Ghostwatch yes. uh, did. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone I know that saw that as a kid was just like, oh, I just thought it was some kind of thing. Yeah. And then it fucked my shit up. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, Chris, where where can we find you yeah. online? Where can people go if they want to interact with you and find out about your work? Yeah, I'd, I'd like for you to just like plug your, your your like personal, you know, Twitter and stuff, but also where they can get the movie. And more specifically, you briefly mentioned it, but I want to make sure people really heard it. You're an illustrator. You 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 work on, in comic books and graphic novels, and I, I've read some of your comics, and they're very funny and interesting. I think people that like our show would really like them. I know you've got one that is literally about a bunch of like characters that are obsessed with horror movies and kind of live inside of a horror movie if i understand the premise correctly oh it's um that's uh, um the it's a web comic that's also available in uh in english online um yes yeah. survivor girl survivor girl survival girl yes right and this is it's basically it's like uh it's kind of a, like a sitcom you know, like with a with a final girl and with a masked killer and there's a zombie and there's a uh, there's a critic that looks like a really short version of George Romero, and <laughs> it works through like all the cliches of of all kinds of horror stuff. There's like a, a, um, a Asia horror technophobia episode. There, there's a zombie episode. There's a, a reunion of the killers, the retired killers like Freddy Krueger and Mike Myers, and um, deciding to to get their old pal helmet uh which is the the name of the mass serial killer it's like a, a hockey mask with a the cat ears that's um uh one of the main characters that's just like a bit in the in the spirit of the old mad spoofs like by mod trucker or jack davis or making fun of horror movies and and that's available online on uh, i think survivor girl de um which is like 
Deutsch, which is like German, uh, the thing, uh, the word you were looking uh, for in the introduction, Dan, I think. Uh, for oh, oh, it was it wasn't German. <laughs> no, Deutsch, I said. Deutschland, right? Deutschland, right? Ah, uh, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> Are we? Uh, well, I. I think that comic's wonderful, Chris. So I, I hope people will go look up Survival Girl and check it out. Thank you. And also, I'm 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 working for a, um, a series that's called The Three Investigators, which is like an original, like it's kind kind of like the Hardy Boys or Nancy Drew teenage detective mm. series, which is like an American series, but no one in America really knows it anymore. And it's continued in Germany and it's a big success in Germany and I'm happy to to drawing and writing for the series um, which is a lot of fun like like having these uh, teenage guys walking up to adults and they're like we're detectives we can solve your problems and the adults are like really you know like my husband's kidnapped uh, you really have to help me how old are you like 12 of course yeah <laughs> Chris, have you seen uh, Mystery Team? Oh, have you man. seen that movie? Oh, uh, Mystery Team? No. Uh, I I recommend it. Look it up. It it, it it's um. Do you know Donald Glover? Mm-hmm. He's he's like a uh, he was on Community and in Spider Man Homecoming and stuff. Uh, he's got a music career. He's he he goes by Childish Cambino. All right, Mystery Team. Okay, that looks like that looks like the investigators. <laughs> Yes, it's yeah. There's it's, they're like a riff on the Hardy Boys. It's yeah. It's it's it, he had a like a YouTube comedy troupe and they made a movie for you know no money that is pretty funny actually called Mystery Team that sounds uh, similar to to the premise there which so I, I recommend it. It's it's pretty you said funny. It's called Three Investigators. Yeah, is that what it was, you said it was called Three? Yeah, investigators? the Three Investigators. I, I want to look this up because that is so funny to me. The it's idea so of funny. just like really dealing with the idea of like this is a child yeah, <laughs> this yeah, is a detective. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the three investigators have one um one prominent fan in the american film world and that's shane black oh okay he, he's a big fan of the uh three investigators he pulls some references in monster squad oh um, awesome you're speaking my language i love shane black <laughs> and i love monster squad it's a huge that's monster like squad my fan. favorite movie i love monster squad yeah, one of the one of the guys, one of the characters is named after one of the three investigators. And the, in the end, when they print their their, their business card, um, that's like the 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 thing with the three investigators is like they have this business card, and every time uh, a grown up or adult is like, um, you are just kids. They they pull out this business card. and They're like, no, this business card says we're the three investigators, and it's like. <laughs> <laughs> I that's love it. Very good. Oh, that's fantastic. That Absolutely. Well, we'll definitely link to you in yes. the show notes. Yes. Make yes. sure you get some love. Thank you, man. Thank you so much uh, for staying up well later than than I would ever do for anybody on the planet. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you for, for doing that for us. That is uh, so kind of you. This has been so much fun. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. And I just have to ask: Is there going to be another puff this year? Oh, I, I believe there is a puff happening this year, as far as I understand it. Um, uh, but I, uh, I don't know that everyone that uh... the the ownership yes. has shifted around a little bit, yep. so we're not as connected to it at this moment as we were at this time last year. Yeah, yeah. and so. While it is happening, I don't really have any good information about it. Yeah. But it is definitely happening. Yeah. And 
I'm sure that if you need to be in contact with anybody, we can put you in contact. We could, yeah. Well, I just yeah. was just thinking about like spending some vacations, going to a nice movie festival, and maybe uh. with some old friends. <laughs> uh. Well, listen, well, dude, if you get out this way, we're hanging out. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I'm still putting together my European trip for the summer. I'm trying to to puddle jump a little bit. So if I find myself near your way, I will talk to you. Uh. Yeah. Right. You just mentioned you're you're going to the to the UK. Yeah, my uh, my girlfriend wrote and directed a play and is taking it to Edinburgh Fringe. And right. so I am going to that, but I believe in order to get there, I'm flying into London and I'm gonna spend some time bouncing around. Uh because I've never been overseas. I just got my passport. So I'm I've got some wanderlust to uh to satiate. Oh, that's great. And so if I find myself your way, I'll hit you up. I'm just I haven't quite put together the my uh what's the word my itinerary. itinerary yet. Yeah. I almost said synopsis. <laughs> I haven't put together my travel. I haven't synopsis put together yet. my travel bibliography yet. <laughs> but it is happening, and I will let you know. But uh, I'm planning on spending a lot of time across the pond in the future. <laughs> now room, that I have access. I'm. Yes, yes. Oh, I would love to go to a living room pub. <laughs> I have a feeling that those are probably prominent in Scotland. So yeah, uh, yeah. that's just me stereotyping, yeah. but yeah. I'd love to be proved right because yeah. that would be fantastic. And and I'll, I'll tell you what, Chris, if you if you do want to make your way back here for just to, to hang and do some kind of, you know, movie related stuff, there's a ton of stuff happening in Philly, you know, uh, puff or not. Uh, yeah, yeah. So like we, we can we, we have a finger some, on the pulse. Yeah, we can find scene. some cool stuff to do if you've got ideas of when you want to right, great guys that's amazing yeah cool hell yeah so, go to bed so go yes bed. thank you go to bed please for the love of god go to bed uh he's gonna watch prevenge yeah right yeah uh but thank you chris for for being on the show and bringing this this movie to us we really appreciate it all right um auf wiedersehen <laughs> yes. Off we well, it's time for the sign, sign off. off, and I, I know you probably know the sign off. So please join along as we as we get into it. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Philadelphia. That's with an F. I'm on Letterbox.com/slash Philadelphia. I still review every movie I watch there, which are mostly Godzilla movies now because I'm a <laughs> I'm a big monster boy, baby. Uh, and uh, you can find me on Cinema76.com, FarsightedBlog.com. I got a bunch of Godzilla content over on Cinema76 right now. Check it out. Uh, and you can find our show uh, at I Like Two Movie. It's Numeric Two. Uh, at gmail.com on twitter on facebook we're, we're all over the web that way that's where you can find us perfect i'm at dan scully on all of those things letterbox twitter all that fun stuff um cinema76.com findy.com occasionally moviejohn.com and um oh yeah for uh, any listeners local to the area um, this is a double plug here yeah. this thursday i'm gonna be on a panel at oh, wizard yes. world mm -hmm. And you're going to be on the same panel. I on, believe on Saturday. On Saturday. So yes. come out to the Philadelphia, I'm sorry, Pennsylvania Convention Center. Wizard World Comic Con is in this week. Yep. There's plenty of things to do. But on two separate occasions, you can get a hot injection of movie movie. That's right. Yes. So uh, definitely come check that out. Yeah. Uh, just reach out to me if you want details. I don't have them on hand. Yes. Yep. All right. Let's do the sign off. Hell yeah. My name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie. Not your turn. My name is Christopher Tauben. I like to movie movie. Nailed it. Nailed <laughs> we it. Know that you like to movie movie because we, we like, like to movie. movie. <laughs> Best sign off ever. Thank you, Chris. Right on. Thank man. you guys. Talk to you soon. <laughs>